and good morning. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Griffin. Grant is back with us. Do we ever have a nickname for Grant? I can't even remember if we ever came up with one. How about, how about Paulson? Oh, I'm Paulson. Not, we're not calling him Grant Paulson. No, not Paul, not, no his nickname oh, would be Paulson. Paulson. Nah, yeah. I, so people could that. think it was Pat Paulson. We can do better than that. How about Pat hey, Paulson? Gr- Griffin, if you want to talk to Grant, you got to remember to turn your mic off, pal. It's okay. I appreciate that you're trying to train him because he's got to produce the show. It's not that I'm mad about that. It's that you just got to remember to turn the mic off. Well, next Friday could be a disaster. Oh, it could be a train wreck of train wrecks. If you no got pressure, Grant, Grant, you got Paulson, right? And you're, you're and really, no and no you're me. You're, oh, that's right. No, you're. For, I forgot you're out next Friday. I you want me to come in at eleven? We'll, I can we'll, make it. We'll 11. talk. We'll talk next week. We'll figure that out. I think we're gonna be all right. I think Grant's got this. I believe in Grant. Yeah. I. I'm going to say that anyway. I'm going to say that publicly and never say it now. Isn't that what they said out in um, in Oakland for Stephen Vogt? I believe in Stephen Vogt. I believe in Stephen Vogt. I thought you were going to go with like a Ulysses Grant joke there, and then we're going to really go back in time. Stan the Fan Charles is in studio with us this morning. Chief Grand Poobah here at Press Box. We could call him Grant's Tomb. I don't really want to do that. That would just Well, be it's a play on uh, Gra- Groucho Marx. Yeah. Do you remember who's that? In Gra- who's buried yeah, who's in Grand's buried for $200. That's exactly right. Grand. I remember it well. Well, I don't, you know, remember it, remember it, but I'm familiar with it, if you will. Um, Stan is here. Today's show is brought to you by Superbook, where you can use either of these codes, Glenn Clark 23 or Stan Charles 23, when you sign up at Superbook.com or after you download the Superbook app. And if you do that, You'll get up to $250 in a same-day first bet match, win or lose. So, for example, perhaps you've been thinking about betting the World Series. Stan the Fan Charles thinks that the better money is on the Diamondbacks in the World Series. So, you wander over to Superbook. You make that $250 deposit. Use the code GlennClark23 or StanCharles23. And you get the Diamondbacks at plus 140 to win the series. So if the Diamondbacks win the series, i got to do the quick math on this. It's about $300 that you'd be winning. And you get $250 worth of free bets as well. If they lose, you still get those $250 worth of free bets. It's as simple as that with Superbook.com and the Superbook app. All right, Stan, do you you said you think the smart money is on the Diamondbacks. We're going to preview the World Series a little bit coming up this hour. David Murphy, Rangers color analyst, former outfielder, will check in with us. Well, I'll tell you why I think it's the smart money. If you look at these two teams, they have both played three series in the postseason. Have either one of them been favored at any time? No, they have not. Right, so you're... You're six and zero picking the underdogs in these series, and while I think the, I think the Rangers are probably the better team on paper, I still have serious doubts about their pitching. Uh, once you get past Nathan Eovaldi, sure, and what, what a hilarious to, sentence to, to be saying. And after. to and to me, I just I don't see a compelling enough reason for them to to pick them. Uh, right off the bat, just because of the way they looked in the American League Championship Series. I think the Diamondbacks played a very similar team in the Phillies and were able to hold down the Phillies just enough. You know, I'm not predicting a D-backs sweep. I mean, this, this should be a very close series, in my opinion. And I think that Brandon Fott, 
uh, is a real wild card in this uh, in this World Series. I'm going to pose this question to you, and I, I had this conversation with our friend Ryan Ripken the other day. Is it a good thing that an 84-win team can be in the World Series? Is, is that a good thing for baseball, or is it there, there's 162 games in the regular season. We shouldn't be at a place where teams that are essentially 500 can get to the World Series. I think it's still a good thing uh, because it keeps fan bases all all over the map uh, engaged the whole season. And if you just want to pick the best team, just run a computer, you know, generated how's this going to, and don't even play the games. You know, I, that's this I, is what makes. This is what makes the drama in baseball is the human element. It, I, I, to some extent, agree with you. I do think it, it sort of runs into the conversation we've been having about the layoff and all these things. Like, it, is it too easy for a team that wins 84 games to have an opportunity to win a World Series? I don't think there's anything easy about what the Diamondbacks did I, I, in, be, in beating Mil- sweeping Milwaukee in Milwaukee. That, I mean, they, they, they heavily... It shows the baseball home field advantage isn't that, that I think great. that's part of the conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but they swept Milwaukee, they swept the Dodgers, and they survived the Phillies. They survived the Phillies. You know, I I do think that those sort of the two of the questions, right? Like how significant really is home field advantage at this point? Right. And then the second layer of it goes back to the layoff conversation that we've come to. I don't know that it's a bad thing inherently. Mm-hmm. I do think the argument can be made that it should be more difficult for teams. Like, if you want it getting in. They, they threw that, that thing where they play a three-game series to open up the playoffs if right. you're not one of the best, one of the division leaders, and you play all three of them now on in the, the road. same place, right. Yeah. Maybe that, what maybe what they need to do is next year. Yeah, force them to play at home. Force because, them to play yeah, at right? home. It's a more right. difficult thing to do is right. to play at home. Force them to the play. Road. Hey, how about this for a wrinkle? Force them to play at home, but they're the visiting team. Now I'm con- okay. So you're saying they would bat first? They would they bat play first. at home, but they bat first. <laughs> yes. You know, you I'm might kid, be. I'm it, kidding. Don't I might do, be on the don't, Doesn't college baseball do that sometimes during the World Series? Where like during or the, during, during the, the tournament? Right? I think during the regionals, yeah. one of the games. Despite if you're hosting, right, you still have to play one of the games as the road team as or road something team. If you, like or that. Or if you lose, I think in if, like I think, if that, you're I think that's right. If you lose your first yeah. game that weekend and you're playing an elimination game, that I think you have to play as the road team or okay. something. It's a very weird. Okay. I, it's a it's a weird bit that I yeah. forget about, and then I start watching a game. I'm like, why are they batting first? <laughs> I don't understand what's going on here, and then I have to be reminded that it's the goofy rules of the college baseball tournament. Anyway, I look. I get it. You'd, you'd ideally like to see, you know, the Orioles play the Braves or Dodgers this year in the World Series. It's the teams that were best during the regular season. But you know, 162 games, a lot of shi, you right, know, right. happens, and the D-backs are certainly a very different team, confidence-wise than they probably were in the middle of June. Well, they yeah. were the final week of the regular yeah. season, yeah. for sure. I, yeah. I, Again, I agree. I don't think it's for me to say that I don't think it should be possible for an 84-win team to make the playoffs, right? Like, I think it should be. I think that there is an open question being had about 
you know, all the things that we talked about. Should it be a one-game wild card? Should it be a seven-game division right. series? Should there be less of a – I think all of these things are relevant And that it does baseball look at it and say, did the Diamondbacks really put together just the most magical run mm-hmm. that no matter what the circumstances were, they would have been the team in this position right. no matter what? Or – and remember, it's not as if they're playing a 100-win team. They're playing a team that won that's 90 also, games, That's right? also quite true, yeah. right? It's two teams that won 90 or fewer games in this series. Two teams so, that both were, were on the road to start the playoffs. So I just put up a column this morning. Mm-hmm. I didn't put it up. Jen, Luke edited it, and Jen. But we promised and, Stan wrote it. And it's and it's called a World, my World Series prediction plus a mea culpa. I I do power rankings. I've done them the last 12 years. At the end of this season, my number 11 team was the Texas Rangers, and my number 12 team was the Arizona Diamondbacks. These teams don't belong in the playoffs. These teams stink. So then, two days later, I'm writing a a ranking of the playoff teams. Who did I have number 11? The Texas Rangers. Mm-hmm. Who did I have? No, excuse me. Oh, I, I, had the, I had the Diamondbacks number even, and the Rangers I fl- and the Rangers twelve. And I, my mea culpa is explaining why, and it really centers around starting pitchers. Nathan Eovaldi, after the after the All Star game, he had one start where he pitched against Tampa, and shut him out for six innings on July eighteenth, and then he didn't pitch for forty seven days in a major league game. Didn't go down for a rehab assignment. Came back up, had six starts. ERA in the regular season of over nine runs a game. Yep. And his whip was like one nine one, and he's been lights out in the playoffs. Brandon Fott was, I think, three and three or two and three. Started the opening game of the series against the Brewers with a two and three and a. 5.32 ERA, and he's been lights out in the playoffs. And that's so them having a third starting pitcher, and again, they still don't have a fourth. In so the have, in the case of in the case of the Rangers, that to me well, is their one starting well, pitcher. No, for them, I'm saying Montgomery for the, is right there. for the Diamondbacks. I'm saying them getting a third starting yeah. pitcher is the only reason why they had the opportunity to do. They could not have survived. Correct with just. Correct. Kelly and Gallon. That right. would not have worked for them to get to this point. And if Eovaldi resembled the pitcher he was in September, there's no way the Orioles might still be playing. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Until we have to blame for all of yeah. this. Everything Nathan was going to be Evaldi. just fine. Um, Bast- all right. Bastard. Yeah, that son of a bitch. We'll talk more about the Rangers here in a minute in the World Series when we chat with David Murphy. Also coming up this morning, Bo Smolka, Press Box Ravens beat writer, will check in with us. Stan, I do want to have give you a chance to respond. There was news this week within the system. What do you make of some movement from the Orioles as far as a new role for Chris Holt? Um, as far as Darren Holmes being gone, it would seem like, given what they've been doing the last couple of years, we started to think that maybe there might be a special sauce here. And so why would you want to mess with that? What do you make of the Orioles making some moves this week? Uh, we'd have to talk to both Mike Elias and and Chris Holt to, to kind of understand it. It seems like perhaps both jobs were too much for Chris Holt. You know, uh, it's very rare that you have the major league pitching coach also be the director of pitching yeah, development. Yeah, the organization. Uh, and it seems like... It seems like maybe he chose being around home, you know, and being around here a lot more uh, rather than doing all the traveling. 
That, that's the only thing I can come up with at this point in time. Um, but it stuff like that happens. You know? uh, for what it's worth, it, it, if there is a quote-unquote special sauce, he's still part of this thing moving forward. And so you would think that the lab concept that the Orioles have come up, that all there would still continue to be continuity, and they would look to find a pitching coach that they would have some comfort with working with Chris Holt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and as far as Darren Holmes, I mean, I happen to like Holmes, I guess for whatever reason there is, they didn't think he was the right guy for the main pitching coach job. Be interesting to see who they come up with, you know, whether it's somebody in Mike Elias's past, whether it's somebody in, uh, in, uh, Brandon Hyde's past, you know, uh, it'll be interesting to see what they come up with. It did, did catch me. I think it caught us all by surprise. I, it certainly caught me yeah. by surprise. Let's stay on baseball a little bit um, here in this first segment because Stan the Fan Charles is in studio with us on a Friday edition of the program. Uh, Dusty Baker announces his retirement this week, and I think genuinely beloved by most baseball fans, a very popular figure. I think everybody was very happy to see him get a World Series title. Yep. I think that that put him in the, like, now yeah. he'll go into the I Hall think of he'll Fame. Go into the hall Whenever of they have the next round of whatever that committee is that right. put Tory and uh, Bobby Cox and them in a few years right. ago, he'll almost certainly be in I that. I think at his age, the next time they do it, they'll try to make they'll it. They'll try and put Dusty in there. Move it along a little bit quicker. Yeah. Um, where, what is, when, what is the, when, when baseball history tells the story of Dusty Baker, what are they telling? Telling the story of. I'd say it's it's arguable whether there's been a black manager that's had the impact of Dusty Baker, the long-term impact. I mean, Frank Robinson being the first. We talked last week, Cito Gaston, yeah. who's up for the Hall of Fame right now, yep. of course, the first to win a World Series, yeah, but, ended up winning two. But longevity-wise, uh, in the game, he just kept, you know, I'm not saying he kept getting fired, but he'd be at a place five, six years. It was never, other than the Nationals, it was never a short stay. You know, his stays in San Francisco, the Cubs, Cincinnati were significant, yep. you know, probably six or more years in all three places. And um, they were typically good teams. Like it, He it, always seemed to build build a lot of things. A lot of things. Uh, he did a lot of things right. Is there a parallel between, with the exception being that Dusty Baker ultimately won the World Series, is there a parallel between Dusty and Buck? Like, is there a parallel between, for years, good teams just couldn't quite break through for whatever reason? You know, if you look at their, and maybe you can do it because you're fast on the computer. That's, uh, that's, 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 old that's, that's why I took the agility test right. for the Baltimore County Police right. Department. And you can, I, too, tomorrow at their uh, hiring event I the Public Safety Building, uh, 700 East Joppa Road. Now, I would say that Buck Showalter's career winning percentage is going to be like 516 to 520. Okay. And I'm going to guess that Dusty Baker is over 530. Buck Showalter managerial record is what I'm looking for. Yeah, managerial record. I got you can look up Dusty Baker, Griffin. We'll now, in, fi- in fairness to Buck, a lot of that was built. Buck Showalter's first- career career winning percentage is five zero nine. Okay, yeah. yeah. Dusty, I'm gonna guess is a lot higher, like five thirty five. Dusty is five forty. Five forty. That's yeah. significantly different. It is significantly now, different. Now, part of that know. is let's not forget. Two things. He took over, Buck took over an a expan- rebuilding Oriole and team. And an expansion team. And an expansion team. 
Um, uh, by the way, good morning, Andrew Stetka, who just checked in to say hello. Thanks, buddy. It's hello, Andrew Stetka. Good to hear from you, pal. <laughs> Andrew's very excited because he's going to be at the game on Sunday, the Ravens-Cardinals oh, out in Arizona. He's oh, he's given up the Sunday fun day. Uh, no, I think he's making this his Sunday fun day on Sunday is by going to the, the Ravens game, I okay. think. I'm okay. pretty sure that's what's Oh, he's going, going to the Raven game? Yeah, he's going to the Ravens game. Oh, I thought you game. meant he's gonna be, he lives in Arizona. Yeah, that's where the Ravens are playing. Oh, that's that's a good point, too. Yeah. That's a good point. I thought yeah. he was going to the World No, the World Series, Series isn't there until Monday. Right. There's, uh, it's Friday, Saturday, off Sunday. But I'm sure he's got tickets for his old buddies in Baltimore for the World Series. Um, I don't know what the demand is in there. I wonder what the demand is in Arizona Bob, for the World Series Bob, tickets. I'm, well, I'm sure. they. But I don't know if it's the astronomical, right. like, you know, $2,500 to get in type of thing, or if you could get you know, a World tickets Series for tickets. us in the media – to be honest, I, I've only tried it one time. Mm -hmm. They're not hard to get because at each level of the playoffs, a team drops out, right. and they yes. had six, 700 tickets for the Twins. So suddenly we could have jumped in and gotten the Phillies tickets you know, the people in Philadelphia. Okay. You know. Okay. I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, did that in while, when the Nationals were in the World yeah. Series. Did you go? I was able to go to one game. Okay. It was the most miserable baseball experience I've ever had. It's probably I've never I've never been. I've done everything through the championship series. I've never been to a World Series yeah. game in my life. I've but never. this that stadium is absolutely horrific. No, it's terrible. Yeah, were you in the were you in the where was the auxiliary box? I'm assuming that's I where wasn't you, in the box. Oh, you were just I was in, in the seats. seats. Okay. I bought seats for me and my a yeah. good buddy of mine. First of all, we were the rows there. They're not like 10, 12 seat rows. They're like 30 seat yeah. rows. So if you're in the middle, you're constantly, even if you don't have to go to the bathroom or go get concessions, you're constantly watching around people that are either going or come. It was just absolutely it's also, horrible. It's also steel. There's no personality to it whatsoever. No, it's it's straight up and down. It's a miserable, yeah. miserable. And the and the press box is terrible. Well, the, the press box is in. It's on the yeah. 50th floor. I mean, it couldn't be any higher up there. It's a dreadful place to go for a baseball game. Um, uh, who makes most sense to you for Houston? Um, a lot of talk about Espada this week. Yeah, uh, there was one other name. Uh, it was Espada and. Osmus has come up a couple of Osmus, times. Osmus makes a lot of sense there to me because he came through that system, um, and they almost hired him as the general manager. So I think Jim Crane likes him, uh, but Espada could be his time. But I think one of those two guys gets the job there. I've also seen – I think Osmus really, really wants this job. I can understand. Well, I think a lot of – who wouldn't really, really want the Astros yeah. job right well, now? Well, when, right? when you've failed twice like he has – Yeah, I get it. This is, is he your... tw a two-time failure or a three-time failure? He did the Angels yes. for one year, and he did the Tigers for like four years. Make sure I'm you're, not You're worried him. whether you can get a third gig. Espada, I know he's worried he'll ever get a one gig, but he will eventually. But I think it might be Osmus's time, although Dana Brown will have a lot to say. I've also seen Jeff Bannister's name floating around, who's obviously gotten a lot of attention during these playoffs yeah. as a potential candidate. And I I could understand that, too. I, I, I certainly think this is a very desirable job. You're walking into a place where immediately you assume yeah, you you're going you got Jordan Alvarez, Jose Altuve. Correct. Yeah. And, and they haven't yet gotten to a place where they said, 
we think that the window is closing. We're not willing right. to add more to this. Right. They still very much seem to be in a place where they're willing to spend more money and keep this train moving. So I would think this would be about as desirable of a managerial job that's probably ever existed yeah. in baseball. So that's, uh, you know, that's part of all of it. You this. know, Dusty's probably, if he wants, going to work for the Astros. You know, they've said he's welcome here. And that's quite an interesting brain trust they have there for Jim. You know, Jim Crane's main advisor is it Reggie, is Reggie, Reggie Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. yeah, and I didn't yeah. know that until yeah. he was sitting in with uh, Palmer on a broadcast yep. this year. Yep. And I was yep. like, yep. really? He's been there for three years, I, I think. had no idea that that yeah. was the case. Um, yeah, World Series gets underway tonight. We'll preview that here in just a minute. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, tomorrow is the day. Baltimore County Police Department hosting a hiring event, 700 East Joppa Road in Towson, the public safety building. If you've been thinking about a career in the Baltimore County Police Department, then just show up. You can go through the written test, the agility test. You can take the application process all right there. If you're just thinking about it, you're not sure you're ready to commit yet, then just show up and ask some questions. Members of the specialized units will be there to tell you more about your potential career paths, all right there at the Public Safety Building tomorrow. And then if you're not thinking at all about a career in the Baltimore County Police Department, but you're just looking for something to do, maybe you want to get the kids out, get them in their costumes, tomorrow is the day because tomorrow afternoon is a trunk-or-treat event. Safe location. If you're worried about where it is they go trick-or-treating, you don't need to worry. Take them trunk-or-treating tomorrow with the Baltimore County Police Department. You can find out more. Join BaltimoreCountyPD.com or give them a call, 410-887-5542. That's 410-887-5542 is the phone number. Uh, yeah, do you like anybody in Game 1 tonight, Stan? Uh, what's the uh, matchup? It's Zach Gallon against, against Nathan Evaldi? Yes, correct. Uh, well, along the lines of... Uh, I just have a feeling the Diamondbacks are going to jump out and, you know, I don't know. I don't have a great, great feel for this game. Okay. Yeah. All right. Right now, if you go to uh, our friends at Superbook, game I'm one, sure Texas is a significant are, favorite, like uh, 170. I don't think it's that much. I'll double check it right now. Oh, they might have taken it down for a minute. Is there some Is there some issue? Oh, is somebody not playing tonight? Uh, what's going on here? For a second, it's not available. I don't know what to make of that. Maybe Griffin can find it. I thought I saw it at like one. Oh, here we go. One fifty-four is the number for game one tonight. One fifty-four. Texas is a one fifty-four. Yes. So what's plus Arizona's 142. plus one forty-two. One forty-two, and the number for tonight. It's Zach Gallon, right? It's Zach Gallon, Nathan Avaldi. The number for tonight is eight and a half. Eight Whew. and a half is the number. Who do you think the uh, favorite is to be MVP of the series? That's a, that's an interesting. Got to be Adolis. Right? You would think, right? Yeah. You would think. Who Aroldis? Adolis. No, Adolis. Adolis. Yeah. Adolis. Yeah. Certainly not. Maybe the Diamondbacks. I think you can get really good money on Aroldis yeah. Chapman as MVP. I'd of this like series. to. I'd like to bet on that. Yeah. Why? I'll say uh, Corbin. Seager. Corbin Carroll. No, Corey Seager is indeed the uh, favorite to be World Series MVP at plus four fifty. Then Garcia at plus five fifty. Corbin Carroll nine to one to be MVP. Cattell Marte ten to one. Yeah. Former Orioles Christian guys. Walker at twelve to one. Yeah, I don't like Walker to be. MVP. Yeah, I don't think I like Walker to be MVP either. Although, I mean, geez, with although the, we kind of gave him away. And sure did. Been, yeah. He has been a very helpful piece for Jonah the Jonah Heim. Yeah, also, that's true as well. I don't know what to make of any of that. Zach Gallen, uh, also 12-1 to 1 in the World Series. What's Brandon Fott? 
18 to 1. Watt doesn't even show up. That's wow. weird. Really? Uh, Ga- uh, Grant throws out Gabby Moreno is his dark horse. for 20 to 1, Moreno? Yeah. I like Moreno. I, I get that. Uh, Josh Young is 25 to 1. If you want one a little bit off the beaten right. path, I like that. Gurriel is also 25 How about to Evan 1. He's Carter? Had a really good How about Evan Carter? Yeah, Evan Carter 18. is 18 to 1. Yeah, that's a nice little being, bet. Yeah, yeah, right? Those are some interesting ones yeah. in there. Merrill Kelly, 30 to 1. All the way down there, some of the interesting names as far as World Series MVP odds are concerned. All right, when we come back in, we will preview the Rangers side of the World Series. We were talking Diamondbacks yesterday, so we're going to preview the Rangers today with David Murphy. Then, I promise, we'll get into some football conversation ahead of Ravens-Cardinals this Sunday. That's all on the way. Stan the Fan Charles is in studio with us. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Tyus Bowser Show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 a fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show. A partnership of Press Box and Great Ace Memorabilia. The next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, October 17th at Mother's North Grill in Timonium. It's brought to you by Superbook Sports and AJ Michaels. And if you or a loved one have a gambling problem, visit HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food. Check. Quality of service. Check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. The Orioles brought us a summer we'll never forget in 2023, securing their first division title in nine years. And while the playoffs ended quicker than we had hoped in Birdland, the future is brighter than ever. I'm Paul Valley, and along with Zach Goodman, we'll be with you on the bat around all offseason, warming our hands by the hot stove. From the GM meetings to the winter meetings to the start of spring training, the bat around has you covered for every trade, signing, and transaction as the Orioles look to revamp and regroup for another postseason run. You can watch the show every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon at YouTube dot com slash press box online or facebook.com slash press box sports or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio so tune into the bat around every saturday right here at press box what company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses allergens and bacteria aj michaels heating and air conditioning in baltimore and annapolis ajmichaels.com 
The Baltimore County Police Department is now hiring with competitive salaries, including for experienced police officers, starting salaries between over $68,000 and over $82,000 based on your prior service time, accepting up to seven years of service times with only six weeks in the academy, minimum of two years prior experience. And police cadet starting salaries at over $32,000 must be between the ages of 18 and 20, but you can apply starting at 17 and a half. Must have a high school diploma or GD equivalent at the time of the hire, U.S. citizen at the time of the hire, and a valid driver's license. So if you have a passion for service and want a career for life, now is the time to join the Baltimore County Police Department. Call 410-887-5542 or visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Sure, Glenn may be in his 40s now, but he looks just as good as he ever has, and he's still as sharp as he ever was. And I say both those things without even a shred of irony. Find out for yourself right now by watching the show at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or youtube.com slash pressboxonline. All right, Stan the Fan Charles in studio with us on a Friday edition of the program. Project Game Day returns this Sunday following Ravens Cardinals. Come hang out with myself, Rita, a former Ravens Super Bowl champion, Femi Ion Badejo, and our cast of characters. Uh, Andrew Stecka told me he'll uh, hop on after he's out at the game in Arizona. Rita's going to be at the game as well. So we'll have boots on the ground, if you will, post game. Project Game Day is brought to you by A.J. Michaels, Superbook Sports, and HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. PressBoxOnline.com slash Game Day. You can also watch the show Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports or YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline for Project Game Day, which returns this Sunday. Right now, Stan, let's talk a little bit more about the World Series. Gets underway tonight, Game 1 in Arlington, and we head to Arlington to catch up. With a former Texas Rangers outfielder, now part of their broadcast team, it's a pleasure to welcome into the program Mr. David Murphy, who is with us here on GCR. David, it's Glenn and Stan the Fan Charles here in Baltimore. It's good to chat with you. You know, we would rather be chatting about the Orioles getting ready for the World Series, but appreciate you taking the time for us this morning. Yeah, good morning. Uh, Happy to be on. Sorry about the Orioles. Rangers no, you're not. No, right you're time. not, David. You're not sorry about the <laughs> Orioles. <laughs> uh, David, uh, you know, I asked this question. It's certainly not as dramatic as what happened, say, with the Diamondbacks coming into this. But when I say, how did this happen? I'm sure you know what I mean. Like, this was a team that was struggling down the stretch that had not been able to live up to the significant hype that surrounded this team. What changed as the Rangers shifted into the postseason that they're now here? Well, yeah, well, first of all, the beauty of baseball is that, you know, it's not necessarily the most talented team, that it's the hottest team uh, that makes it to the end. And not that the Rangers aren't supremely talented. Um, You know, I haven't been around the team a ton, especially in the postseason. Uh, Most of my work that I did with the team and the broadcast that I did were during the regular season. But, you know, I'm going to factor in Bruce Bochy there and just his calm demeanor. Um, you know, you don't have a track record like he does for, for no reason. And then, you know, you point to the team leadership, a guy like Marcus Simeon, um, and, and there's so many guys that probably get overlooked. Obviously, Corey Seager's been there, and he's done that. Uh, Mitch Garver is a, a solid veteran presence. So, um, man, there, there's a lot of guys on this team that have great character, um, 
and they've just they've persevered to this point, and I'm I'm just proud of the way the team has played, and I'm 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 happy that they've gotten some results. David, you know, this team is it more surprising that that they're here, or is it more surprising that they struggled so much in order to get here? Right, like. We talk about the most talented team. There, there's no shortage of talent with the Texas Rangers. This was a team that was committed in the offseason. Was it more surprising that they struggled during the regular season than it is that they figured out a way to put it together in the postseason? Yeah, maybe a little bit of both. You know, what they were able to do in the first half, like they set expectations really high. Yeah. And so – um, you know, you, you look at the way they're playing every day, and they're scoring 10 runs every day. They're having relentless at-bats. Uh, the starting pitching is performing, you know, better than expected, even through a, you know, a huge blow with the Jacob deGrom news. Um, so I, I think just, you know, you're, you're kind of thinking throughout the course of the season, all right, this, they're going to hit a rough patch at some point. They're going to hit a rough patch at some point, and it just seemed like they never did in the first half. They had a they had a tough road trip uh, in Cincinnati where uh, the bullpen, you know, lost a few games late. Uh, but then they just the, – the resilience was crazy. You know, then they go home against the Yankees and then they sweep them. So it's just, you know, things like that happen all season long. And then, yeah, you could definitely say that you were surprised the way that uh, they ended the season and then they come out guns blazing, um, you know, during the postseason because – you know, say when I, I believe they lost like 16 out of 20, and I worked pre and post game for an, for an Astros series uh, over Labor Day weekend, and they gave up more home runs in a three game series than they had ever, you know, they ever had before. So, um, so they definitely had their highs, they definitely had their lows, but you know, I, I don't think I'm surprised because, you know, once again when we're back to the the big names, the Seegers, and then you you throw a guy like Evan Carter in the mix who rookies are difficult to pitch to in the postseason when you don't necessarily know their scouting report and they're that talented. Um, and then you have a, a great supporting cast of characters. I, I'm not surprised they're doing what they're doing. David, um, the second half of the year, I, I mean, obviously Chris Young had work to do to try and fix the pitching, and he did acquiring uh, Chapman sometime in, I think, in early July, but then picking up Scherzer and Montgomery – but how much was the difference in this team really down the stretch, the fact that they got healthy and added Carter? They got Young, Garver, and Carter. It was almost like they were deadline acquisitions, and they're a vastly different team than before those three guys were back in the lineup. Yeah, I mean, Carter was huge. Um, especially when Adolis Garcia went down, um, I believe that was around the, the end of the first week of September. Um, and, you know, Josh Young, for as great of a season that he had, when he was finally healthy for the last few weeks of the regular season, he really wasn't producing. And that's why, you know, when the postseason began, he was hitting eight because right. he was hitting, uh, you know, fifth or so throughout the majority of the regular season. And then Jonah Heim, who had a great first half offensively, went down. When he came back, you know, they said that he wasn't going to be able to hit right-handed for the remainder of the season, and he eventually got back to hitting right-handed. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was huge getting all these guys healthy. You know, even throwing a guy like Evaldi, he missed plenty of time. He comes back against the Astros in that, that series that I mentioned. He had no rehab start, 
you know, he was throwing probably in the low 90s, and that was the game where Jose Altuve, you know, went deep three times, and he had an opportunity to go deep a fourth. Um, but then, you, you know, talk about a veteran guy, you know, and he knows that it's the postseason. He flips the switch. He knows that he needs to empty the tank, and he's up to 96-97 with nasty stuff again. He is David Murphy, Rangers analyst. He is with us here on GCR. Yeah, it's Stan. We, 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 there's some behind-the-scenes stuff here happening. Stan has some, I had I had Evaldi yeah. on my fantasy team this yeah. year, David. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I would have won first place had he pitched like he did this postseason. But in September, he was, what, six starts and nine ERA? Yep. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that he, was a little painful. I'm sorry yeah. to hear that. Yeah, just, no. be, just be aware he's totally once over again it. with what he did against the Orioles. I'm totally yeah, over he's it. Totally though, over yeah. it. Not thinking about it whatsoever. <laughs> um, you know, not a lot of Orioles connections. But uh, Stan and I were talking about it in the first segment. It's it's odd because there's Christian Walker in Arizona, and then Jonah Heim, who was not thrown away by the Orioles. He was he traded was tra- four right. times by the three times. Uh, um, how has Jonah Heim become this guy? Like, what happened during Jonah Heim's process that he went from not the not a guy that wasn't thought of. I mean, he was a thought of prospect to becoming one of the best catchers in all of baseball. Yeah, I mean, I guess that the minor league track record is what it is, but um, or, you know, just people can think what they want about the past, but we've seen nothing but incredible defense since he showed up. Um, you know, the way that he frames, the way that he throws out base runners, the way that he leads the pitching staff, I mean, it's, it's pretty phenomenal on a day-to-day basis. And then the offense, you know, he started out slow as of a few years ago. You saw the power at times, but the average was never there. And then, man, he just started the season with a boom, and I think it's just a perfect example. When you can get off to a good start, especially as a catcher, you know that you're going to get worn down over the course of 162. And obviously we talked about the injury, and that happened. And, you know, the second-half numbers and, and the offensive numbers weren't as great once he, once he returned from injury. And, you know, as of the last series – we got a, a guy with some, some offensive firepower in there that's hitting ninth um, against the Astros. So, but certainly has to be feared regardless of, you know, the, the recent offensive track record. So um, I, I'm just really impressed with, one, what he's been able to do and what a great job by the Rangers front office and just the way that they piece this team together. And Jonah's obviously a big part of that. Um, if I say what does this come down to, I know it's sort of impossible, right, because it's a seven-game baseball series, and, God, anything can happen over the course of seven games. But, David, as you look, what, what, what have the Rangers done? What needs to continue? If they're going to, against, again, a red-hot Diamondbacks team, if they're going to finish this off, what has to continue going, for right, going right for them over the course of the next week? Yeah, I'd say the offense. Um, you know, the starting pitching has been great. So, I mean, yet you have to get both of those. And especially, you know, even though the Texas bullpen has been solid during the postseason, it, there's been question marks surrounding it all year long. So you would love, uh, you would love to go into the, the sixth or seventh inning of every game with a, a three-run lead and, and give the bullpen some breathing room. Um, you know, it's postseason baseball and it's the World Series, so you know that that is likely not to happen a good majority of the time. You know that you're going to see some, you know, some tie ball games, some one-run games, you know, going into the eighth, going into the ninth, and, and we'll see where it goes from there. But 
you know, that this team has hit all year long, and that's kind of been the backbone, um, you know, <laughs> with what Montgomery has done d- during this postseason in addition to Evaldi. Um, it, it's been spectacular, and especially when you, when you talk about what uh, the Diamondbacks are capable of with Gallon and Kelly and what Fott has done during the postseason, I'd say that you do need to put up runs early because their bullpen has been pretty darn good. So um, I, I'd say those are that's, that's the main key. David, for me, it comes down to the fact that <clears throat> Brent Strom and his pitching staff in the games they won against Philadelphia, were able to keep the Phillies in the ballpark, and the Phillies didn't have a multi-dimensional offense enough to put up some some runs. Do, do the Rangers, if they're held within the ballpark, can they still put up runs? I believe they can. Um, you know, they're they have. They're, they're a dynamic enough offense where they can beat you in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, Seager is not just a home run hitter by any means. And I figure if, if the Diamondbacks are going to pitch around anybody, it's going to be Seager. So we're going to see what Carter's capable of. And, and I'm curious to see how, what, what happens there as well, because, you know, the Houston did not have a righty in their bullpen and Arizona's got a few. So there could be a matchup game there. Um, Adolis Garcia, Obviously, they're going to be they're going to be cautious pitching to him with how how hot he was. Um, but no, it, it was it's not just been the home run ball that um, that has you know played to the Rangers' success throughout the course of this postseason. Like they 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 do a lot of things well. I know they don't you know they don't steal a lot of bases like the Diamondbacks do, but they're capable of it at the same time. So I'm just curious to see how it plays out. Jose LeClerc looked a little human there. I don't know if that's just, hey, man, you're going up against an incredible offense. Any concerns at all about LeClerc going into the World Series? Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned, uh, this bullpen has, has it's been, uh, you know, uh, a, a talking point throughout the, the course of the season, especially later on when, you know, a lot of the games were lost in the later innings. So, um, you know, he's not perfect by any means, but – he does have the stuff to be a closer. Um, you know, he's added a cutter, uh, you know, in recent years, and that's a pretty good pitch for him. He's got a good changeup, uh, and the fastball's up to, to 98 or so. So um, the, the stuff is, is no doubt there. But at the same time, I mean, I listen to baseball, you know, whether it's radio, TV all the time. I remember listening to some fans in Philly toward the end of the regular season. They're talking about how uncomfortable they feel with, with Craig Kimbrell on the mound and he's one of the best ever. I mean, what, who, who is, who is going to be a closer that we feel a hundred percent comfortable Very with fair. on the mound besides, Mar- besides Mariano Rivera. So, I mean, and obviously you guys got one there. That, yeah. Would have been nice. <laughs> would have been nice. I mean, he, yeah, he's one that you would feel as comfortable with as anybody. Uh, yeah. But it's just, it, that's a, a very difficult job in the game of Major League Baseball to close out a baseball game. David, I want you to put on your GM hat for a second. How are you using Max Scherzer, given the problems with the, the Texas bullpen? How are you using Max Scherzer in this series? Is it just to start one game, or do you think he could be a weapon, maybe not closing, but pitching two, two important innings to get you to the bridge, you know, the, the late-inning guys? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I'd say you start them in game three for sure, and then depending on, 
depending on the situation, depending on, you know, the results of the games, how the Rangers have done, um, how they need him, then you could you could move him around there if the situation dictates. But I'd say for now, yes, I would start him in game three, and, uh, and we'll just see how things play out. It all gets underway tonight in Arlington, game one of the World Series. David Murphy, really appreciate you taking a couple of minutes for us this morning to preview it. Uh, enjoy the ride, and uh, thanks for ha- hanging on with us this morning. Yep, love talking baseball, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you, David. David Murphy with us here on uh, GCR. As... There are many guests that say, I love talking about my sport. You know, that they do. There, are, But there are people that you just know, yeah. right? Like yeah. whenever, like people that, there are people that are always willing to answer whenever yeah. you call. Because yeah. you can just tell they genuinely enjoy doing it. Yeah. And then there are other people that you can just tell yeah. really kind of yeah. don't do yeah. it. Don't love it. Uh, yeah, so tonight... You know, guys like Gary Stein, yeah, guy, he Craig Heist. I'm not really sure that he loves anything, right, frankly. Right. Other than sure. himself. Correct. Yeah, oh, yeah, he yeah. definitely loves himself. There's no question about that. So, Eovaldi and Gallon tonight, Merrill Kelly tomorrow, and then I, we all know it's going to be Jordan Montgomery. For some reason, the Rangers haven't announced it's going to be Jordan Montgomery. I don't know what that's all about, but almost, almost I can't imagine him going Scherzer in game two. You don't Montgomery. think they're coming out with DeGrom off oh, the oh, IL? Oh, totally the coming out. I don't think that's going to be the case. Montgomery game two, and then the expectation would be Scherzer game three, and then that Heaney-Dunning combination you would assume would be game four, whereas the Diamondbacks, presumably in game four, will again just have to go the same route they went in the NLCS where they just go with a true bullpen game and hope for the best um, after they will likely turn to fought in game three. So that's how it all shaped up in the World Series. Today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Did you uh, watch the game last night? Uh, The football game? Yes. I watched a a fair amount of the late third quarter to the end. Just a reminder of why it is ever so dangerous to bet on teams that are favored by more than a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, they did. (sighs) They they covered. covered. Very frustrating. Very frustrating. All that's got to happen is don't grab Baker Mayfield's face mask and the game is over. It's over. You win by two scores. Game is over in that moment if you just and he's going nowhere he has nowhere to go you could have just stood him up you didn't he, have to bring him down he he moves so much he's so jittery back there that you might aim for something else yeah maybe he's a little face, bit man. smaller too i don't yeah. know man all you got to do is not grab his face mask and the worst part is they refuse to give rashad white the ball in the red zone they, they'll use him all the way down the field and they're just not yeah i guess he's just never going to score a touchdown again well, i don't really, I, that doesn't that's not my concern i didn't it, bet on rashad white scoring a touchdown well that's that's a different it's, conversation it's, been, Griffin. it's, it's brutal sounds brutal, like you right? might have a problem well, i'm just worried about no. important things like betting like that's what i'm talking about over here you have a bit of a, an issue over there. Me, I'm talking about the important things in life. They, so you made a small donation to Superbook oh, last yeah, night? Oh, yeah, they got us a couple of American dollars from me. They got a couple that way. Mm. <sighs> Touchdown off of a helmet. Sure. Sure. <laughs> no, that's that's a very normal thing mm. to happen when on fourth down. Da- on fourth down. And on fourth, again, all that's got to happen is the ball bounces off the helmet to the ground. 
the wild part being at the end the of the two game. The two-point conversion was equally fun. It was. Yeah, it was fun. But then the wild part is if you, if you stuck to the end, as was pointed out in the broadcast, if Godwin looks up for the football. Exactly. They that win was the game. unbelievable. That's unbelievable. They win the game if Godwin just looks up for the ball and knows that it's coming his way because he is standing. He turned the wrong way and then he turned around and it, it was on the ground. Him. Yeah, he's he's standing by himself in the end How zone. How did that ball not get touched by anybody? It's wild, isn't? Well, this is the eternal. So I don't remember. You know, if you remember, there was a game earlier this season. Uh, the Chargers played. I don't remember who they were playing, but at, at halftime. Whoever they were playing threw up a Hail Mary. Mm -hmm. And Derwin James got called for a pass interference, and everybody was killing him on the Internet. And all I could think was, it's a, no one ever gets called for pass interference on a Hail Mary. It never happens. Essentially, the officials agree it's just a jump ball. Everybody's got the same right to it. We're not going to blow our right. whistle on a Hail Mary. We're not going to have that be what impacts this game, is that we call it a pass interference on a Hail Mary at the end. So basically, you got everybody shoving and pushing and jostling, and it creates almost a bit of a panic, and it kind of clears out a little bit. Nobody knows because they're still busy shoving and pushing that they don't even look up to see that the ball is there. And in the end, yeah. Buccaneers, if Chris Godwin just looks up, could have stolen mm. a victory on the road in Buffalo last night. But the Bills do hang on and win that game. However, they don't cover the eight and a half points. All you needed to do was not grab a face mask. Not that I'm not that you're I'm, not upset no, about no, that. Not at all. Not thinking it's about not it. like you're Nathan Evaldi. No, not my Nathan Evaldi in any way. Not at all. All right. Ravens Cardinals coming up Sunday out in Glendale, Arizona. Every Friday we bring in our press box Ravens beat writer, Mr. Bo Smolka, back with us now here on GCR. Bo, it's Glenn and Stan. Good morning, my friend. Thank you as always for taking the time for us. Good morning. How are you? Everything is good, Bo. Let's, um, as always, let's work backwards before we work forwards here. Obviously, I don't think many of us saw that coming last Sunday. Even if you thought the Ravens could win the game, I don't think anybody saw the beatdown and the nearly flawless performance that the Ravens had put together. To you, is it one game, and this is the NFL, and crazy things happen in one game, and sometimes you get anomalies? Or is it more of an indication of what the Ravens are capable of being moving forward this season after they got off to kind of a sluggish start? I would say, I mean, it's certainly what they're capable of. When, they, when they're firing on all cylinders, when they're executing a high level on both sides, that's what they're capable of. <clears throat> are they capable of doing that for 60 minutes every game? I don't think so, because this is just how the NFL operates. It just doesn't seem to happen that way. Um, but they, when they're, as, as I wrote last week, when they're at their best, they're really good. And, you know, I think, I also think that coming back from London and having that game be the game was actually a, a benefit to them because they come back from London and a lot of people were worried there's no buy, they're going to be exhausted, there's going to be this fatigue. And all they heard all week was how great the Lions are. And I think that completely locked them into focus. If they had come back, to a one and six Cardinals game, I don't know that they would have executed at that level. And that may not be fair to them to say that, but it just feels like they were completely locked in. And it was partially because they spent all week hearing how great the Lions were and they were really motivated. Bo, how much of this uh, past game, uh, from an offensive standpoint, is just the fact that now these guys know where they're supposed to be, they know what the mission is? And they 
they get Todd Mungin's offense. I mean, I'm sure that's part of it. That's definitely going to be part of it. And there's also just the part of it, you know, when Lamar Jackson's a really tough guy to defend. And, and I mean, look, the one touchdown to Aguilar, they had him completely bottled up. Yeah. And he squirts out of it, and he makes that play. The 80-yard pass to Gus Edwards was supposed to be a bootleg to the left, and it's not there, so he goes to the right, and then Edwards decides to flare out, and they pass to him, and he's got 80 yards in front of him. So part of it is just Lamar Jackson making good decisions. Absolutely a part of it is they're feeling more comfortable with Todd Munkin, and you saw Bateman get involved in that game, which was good because it gets his confidence up a little bit. Um, And they just, an offensive line played tremendously in that game, so... Um, there's certainly got to be an e- increasing comfort level with these guys. Remember, none of them really played at all in, in, spring, in our training camp in preseason games. So it stands to reason that that would be moving forward. But I think it's probably a combination of, of you know, me being more familiar with Munkin, Lamar Jackson playing at a really high level and creating on his own, which is when he's at his best, and just, and just from, from – you know, offensive line, receivers, every position group played really well in that game. Bo, you bring up how well Lamar Jackson is playing. Stan and I were in a meeting the other day, and we were trying to I, – I, the words are escaping. Lamar Jackson has been a unanimous MVP in the NFL, and yet somehow to me this is better than that. This, What we have seen from him of late to me is I, I, like the best football he's ever played. And I get it, the Pittsburgh game, the results didn't show because everybody dropped the football. But how do you define – how he's raised his level this season where he's back in the MVP conversation and arguably playing the best football he's ever played. Well, I mean, for one, his completion percentage is, is well above his career average and, and is as probably, and, and let's face it, it would have been even higher if they didn't drop nine balls for what it was right. Pittsburgh. Right. His completion percentage would be off the chart. So his accuracy has been there. I think his decision-making has been there. Um, he's certainly getting more and more comfortable. And let's face it, he's got better receivers, and that also helps. Yeah, that helps. Um, So when you add Zay Flowers and Aguilar and Beckham, um, that helps. So I think all of those come come into play. Um, Now I will say, um, and he stayed healthy, which is the other thing that helps. Now a couple years ago, he he was off to a tremendous start. First five or six weeks of the season, he was also in the MVP conversation. And, And then it kind of cooled, and then he got hurt. Um, but no doubt about it right now with, with the level he's playing at, but I think it's all of those things. That completion percentage is up. Uh, it's an offense. It's, he's making good decisions, and he's got just more talented players around him. He is Bo Smolka, Press Box Ravens beat writer. He's with us here on GCR. Bo, something you also said in there that I wanted to follow up on, that the Ravens kept hearing about how good the Lions were, and they were kind of up for it. That has been a, a criticism that can't be defined statistically about the John Harbaugh Ravens in recent years is that it's almost like a, a collegiate team. They tend to be really up for big opponents and they, they tend to have kind of disappointing performances. And the argument is they play down sometimes their level of their competition, which is relevant because this week they play one of the worst teams in the NFL on the road. And on paper, there's that conversation. Stan and I had it yesterday that maybe this is a trap, that this is the type of letdown spot that you would see for a team like this. What do you make of the argument that these Ravens in the last couple of years have, have, have struggled to play at their level when playing down to the level of competition? And does it concern you at all going into Sunday? 
Um, yeah, I think it does, and I think it's fair. And they may not like that, but the results are the results. And I think there have been times when they, they come off a huge win against Cincinnati on the road, and they come home and they didn't play that great against Indianapolis and got beat at home. And then they get a big win, and they go to Pittsburgh, and they didn't play well enough to win a game they should have won. And, and we've certainly seen that in other years, too, where they struggle in, in a game where they should win, and yet when they play a team that, you know, they're highly motivated and they play a really good game against a strong team. It's, it's, it's maddening sometimes to see it, but I don't think you can dismiss it because it's, it's not a one-off thing. It, it has happened with this team. Um, so, I, I, you know, I think they'll win Sunday in Arizona. I don't, I don't expect them to be as crisp as they were against the Lions. And I, you know, I, don't think, I think it would be hard. To, they played almost a perfect game that day. Right. But <clears throat> having said that, I don't know how you define it, but I do think it's a valid criticism of this team that they tend, they have played to the level of competition more often than you'd like to think. It's awesome when you play a good team, but it's disconcerting when you play a weaker team. Bo, uh, let's flip over to the defensive side of the football. First of all, uh, status reports on Owe and Ajabo. Did you get in? Nope. Nope. I don't know what's going on with Bo. I hope he's not getting arrested. Sorry, sorry. Uh, ordering food. You're not, you're, not, you're, ordering not getting, food. you're not getting arrested, are you, Bo? Ordering food. <laughs> no, no, I'm outside. I'm outside the facility, and there was a uh, okay. question whether he's getting it. Go ahead. All right. No. Uh, defensively, first, if you could give me an update on Owe and Ajabo, when might they play? Uh, Owe was back last week. Oh, Owe yeah. played last week. I thought he and, wasn't. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, he's, he's playing. How about Ajabo? Um, and, and actually played well. Ajabo is, is interesting because at, at one point it sounded like John Harbaugh said, well, it's going to be up to Ajabo. And it sounded like Harbaugh was thinking Ajabo might end up having season-ending surgery. And then in London, Ajabo basically told um, – I wasn't there, but apparently told reporters that no, he wasn't going to have surgery and that he was going to look to be back. So I think at one point it looked like Ajabo might not play again this year. Now I think he will. I, 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 he's not out there yet, but um, – I do think over the last quarter of the season, he's going to make an effort to get back out there. If I had told you that the two of them, Jabo and Owe, would miss that much time, would you have thought this defense was capable of what they're doing? Because so much attention well, look, here I mean, gets on the offense. Yeah, they're leading the league in sacks. Yeah, yeah. They're leading, which no one expected. Um, two things. One, you know, they've brought in Jadavion Clowney and Kyle Van Noy, who have played as good as they could have possibly hoped for at yeah. this point. I mean, Clowney's been really good. He's been really good against the run. And Van Noy's been Van Noy's been good, too. These are both, you know, 30-something guys. And they're, uh, Van Noy said to us this week, look, I know it's kind of a young man's league, but I also think it's an experienced man's league, and I still have something to offer here. And, and, and Clowney said the same thing. I still have something in the tank. These guys, I think they were both kind of took offense at the idea that the, the, the word was out there on the street that, you know, the game had passed them by and they were sitting there unsigned in August or whatever. And they both were, I think, motivated to prove that wrong. And they've both come in here and played really well. And that's been, as you said, that's been a huge thing with both Owe and Ajabo being out. And then the Mike, the Mike McDonald scheme has worked really well to find sacks elsewhere. Just about a BK is now the guy that I predicted two years ago on the training camp practice field, he was going to be, he's been really disruptive and he's, got a bunch of sacks and then they're getting sacks from the secondary. They're getting sacks up the middle. They have, I don't know. I think it's almost a dozen people have at least one sack. So they're getting them from all over, 
But the additions of Clowney and Van Noy, dovetailing after the injuries to Owe and Ajabo, have been just tremendous pickups. Matabike has been a monster, man. It's been unreal how well Matabike has played this season. Um, Bo, obviously all that said, you know, this is the week. Everybody's talking about the trade deadline. We've already seen a couple of moves around the league. Kevin Byard and Nicole Hardman. Now uh, we know the Ravens have been active. And I don't know, at the beginning of the season, I was the guy banging the table. You got to bring in one of these edge rushers. And now, you know, it's hilarious because the Ravens are, as you pointed out, leading the league in sacks. I'm still not opposed to them exploring that because I still think they could use somebody that they don't have to scheme pressure from so I, I still think that that would be something they should look at a lot of the talk this week has been about running backs there have been some loose reports about maybe some Ravens interest in Derrick Henry w- what do you make of their their needs what they could do and what you think they might do between now and Tuesday I it's hard to it's so hard to predict I mean I wouldn't have sat here last year and they were going to trade for Roquan Smith that's for sure but um I I'd be surprised to see them trade for Derrick Henry, uh, but uh, again, I'm not going to... Der- Eric DaCosta has said he loves to make trades, so uh, his phone is going to ring and he's going to listen. Um, I, I, I would hen- it, just, it would surprise me if they trade for Henry. Um, I think you could look at the, the edge rush group, sure. you could. They certainly could add another edge rusher. We still don't know what the situation with Tyus Bowser. Um, so, you have Jabo out, you still have Bowser out, and let's face it, I mean, Clowney and Van Noy have said what they said, but you don't want to see them wear down by early December either. So um, certainly bolstering that edge rush group might be what they choose to do or might look to do. It's still going to always come down to what the cost will be for any of these trades. Um, but as it is now, if, you know, it's a, it's a well-constructed roster, which is why they frankly could be and probably should be 7-0. and But um, I do expect Eric DaCosta to – to entertain the ideas of trades because it's what he loves to do. But I want to follow up because your reaction to Derrick Henry, I feel like is not all that dissimilar to some of the things that we've been saying around here this week. Like if, if the target was Saquon Barkley, if that's what we were talking about, I would say, yeah, that makes all the sense in the world at the right price, right? I'm not suggesting you, you overpay for it, but to add in another super pass catching running back to a team that already has this level of pass catchers, that type of dynamic player I, I don't know how defenses prepare for that. But what you're saying about Derrick Henry, and correct me if I'm wrong, it feels like sort of what I think a lot of us are feeling. Derrick Henry this season, while we all know what he's done in his career, is averaging 4.3 yards per carry this season. Gus Edwards is averaging 4 yards per carry this season. How significant of an upgrade at this point in his career would Derrick Henry really be over what the Ravens already have? Well, yeah, that's part of it. I mean, yeah, if you're getting if you're getting vintage elite Derrick Henry, sure, and, right, and you're adding him to, and, and you're going to use all three backs, yeah. But I mean, as it is now, they're they're the you know they're three backs. The Ravens aren't using three backs nearly as much as they had in previous years. Um, that third running back there is, is is sometimes not even being on the field at all or one snap. So, and I'm not saying that if Derrick Henry's here, he'd be on the field. So then, what? Hill is not on the field. Edwards is not on the field. Um, and what's the upgrade and what's the cost? It just it feels to me like that would be un- unlikely. Um, but like I said, Eric Tocasta is going to listen. And I mean, if they if they it wouldn't surprise me if they I, I don't know. There's a, any any number of positions they could look at. You say, oh, they don't need that. They don't need that. But Tocasta is going to listen because it's what he does and he likes he likes to do it. Um, but I I personally would be surprised if it's Derek Henry. 
I get it. I get it. To your point, you know, it could just be another corner. Like that's they've liked doing that in the past. You know, nobody's sitting here thinking that's the route they go, but they have seen that plenty over the years from Eric Tacosta and the Ravens. And then uh, just a point of order, I know a roster spot was cleared with Jeremiah Moon. Is the assumption there that that's for Melvin Gordon because Keaton Mitchell's not going to be able to go on Sunday? I mean, that's my that was my initial thought because Melvin Gordon's already been moved to the practice squad. He's been elevated three times, so for him to play again, he has to move to the 53-man roster. Um, so that's my thought. A lot of people are figuring they're opening a roster spot for a trade. That could have happened in – I mean, that, 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 that that could happen when it happens. Um, but I, that's my original thought was they're going to, they're going to bring up Melvin Gordon to be the third running back. If, and, and one of his elevations, he literally didn't step on the field. So, so it's, it's tricky to do that because it, it basically cost him an elevation and he, he was called up. I think it was his first or second elevation. He didn't play a snap. So, but you're, if they do want him, then they they are required to put him on the 53-man roster at this point. So my first thought was that was what that move was for. You know, the shame, too, you see Keaton Mitchell get a touch on Sunday. He looked, you know, as fast as advertised. Yeah. And I, I do wonder moving. Yeah, that was too bad. Yeah, that was right? too bad because, I mean, it, and, and with that game bleeding as it is, he probably would have got a lot of run in the fourth quarter of that game. I do. And then I, he, got, he pulled his hamstring and then he was, or not pulled, he tweaked his hamstring and then he was sidelined the rest of the game. So. That was a missed opportunity for him, which is too bad. Bo, is there any jeopardy right now for Justice Hill, given the fact that the the fumbles kind of continue? And I know that fumble goes on Lamar Jackson, but it seems like everybody who knows has said, hey, that's on Justice Hill. It's the running back's responsibility to understand the quarterback wants to pull the ball back down there and you got to let go. Um, We've seen this a little bit too much when Justice Hill had been on the field for all of his talent, for what he can do. Is there any concern that he starts getting into the – you know, you, you might, your snaps might start getting numbered if this doesn't go away. Uh, well, let's face it, that is a, here's the thing. Fumbling is an absolutely quick ticket into John Harbaugh's doghouse. There's no doubt about it. Now, with John Har- with uh, Lamar Jackson, there's not a, he's got a little more job security right. there. Right. Um, but uh, remember, Justice Hill also had the ball punched out of him at the end of the, at the end of a play. I think it was in Pittsburgh or one of the games. But no, fumbling is definitely an issue. And is there concern about his snaps going down because of fumbling? Yeah, there probably should be because John Harbaugh has made very clear that fumbling is not something we tolerate. All right, Bo Smolka at B Smolka on Twitter is how you follow him. Pressboxonline.com is where you see all of his game stuff. time four twenty five. Right. Yes. All right. Very. Yep, good. we're out on the West Coast. Yep. Bo Smoke, appreciate you, sir. Thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us. All right, thanks. Take care. Thanks, Bo. And uh, the Ravens are traveling out early today. They're going to get there a day earlier than they usually do for road trips in order to try to uh, adjust a little bit more uh, on the West Coast. I like that. I like that, too. I think we all like the idea of them going out early to London. I, I think it just makes a little bit more sense to make those types of decisions. But appreciate Bo hopping on with us. Reminder, if you have not picked up the new print issue of PressBox yet, you should go do it right now on the cover. Story from Todd Karpovich about the survivors, the position, the position players specifically, easy for me to say, that were held said over it just fine. Yeah, from the Dan Duquette regime into turning into significant parts of the Orioles renaissance. Of course, Mountcastle, Mullins, Hayes, as well as Anthony Santander, Go pick it up right now for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. Read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. Also, a lot of tributes to Brooks Robinson in this print issue. 
and uh, college basketball coverage as we are just about a week away from the start of college basketball season in these parts. Stan, your thoughts on what the Ravens could do at the trade deadline and where you would see them. Again, Derek Henry's the the name that's buzzing. Buck Rising, who covers the Titans for A to Z Sports in Nashville, right. was the first to report the Ravens had interest in Derek Henry. Then Tony Pauline, who was a um, in uh, personnel for a long time in the NFL, he followed that up and said it's Ravens, Dolphins, Cowboys that are in on Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. I, I'm in such a weird. I can't believe I'm saying this because it's Derrick Henry that we're talking about. Yeah. But I just how old is Derrick Henry now? Thirty. I would think that he's thirty-one. Uh, somewhere right around there. I'll double check on it right now. It's that would be what if you would made me yeah. guess. I would have said thirty as well. Uh, Derrick Henry I'm is say thirty-one. 29. 29. 29. He'll be 30 on January right. 4th. Had a lot of mileage on him. Uh, but, boy, that talk about having a running back of that caliber, you know, uh, with playing behind an offensive line that can actually, you know, move the needle a little bit. That's the, the, the thing that I wish that I had. In it. Like, is Derrick Henry's – is he down to 4.3 yards per carry because he's – Diminishing or Dim- you know, diminished a little the bit. years and the mileage and the tread and the injuries that's catching up on him. Or to your point, is it the offense? Is it that no one respects Tennessee's passing game? Right. Understandably so, so as we saw that it stopped Derrick Henry. So they have to stack the box. And if you're if Derrick Henry to be put in a Lamar Jackson offense, defenses wouldn't it's, have the option to. It seems stack like the box. it would give that offense a whole different level of respect. You know. I mean, in other words, you wouldn't be able to just say, let's stop Lamar's passing. Right. You know, it would, suddenly you'd have this yeah, other What do weapon. you do? Yeah. What do you do about facing yeah. an offense like that? I would say probably either either a running back, uh, but I, I wouldn't be going just after any running back. In other words, Derrick Henry is an elite running back, so I think he could really still help you. It seems like, doesn't it, that either – the defensive secondary, you always get injuries there. You know, snake bitten beyond snake bitten, and yet, yeah. and yet they've managed to play well. Yeah, it, it's yeah. really remarkable. They've had the Brandon Stevens of the world, Geno Stones, yeah. have stepped up and played the best football of their careers this right. season. And in Geno Stones' case, probably made himself some money next off season by what he's done so far yeah. this year. But to your point, to say. It's it's what I just said to Bo a second ago. We're not nobody's talking about cornerback right now as being what the right. Ravens would target. Right, but all of but, a sudden you get two two plays and you got two injuries. And and know. I don't know that we were all talking about cornerback when they targeted Marcus Peters a couple years ago. Right. I don't think it was an opportunity that presented itself because the Rams were making the move for Jalen Ramsey and they felt like they yep. they they were now going to have an odd man out and Marcus Peters was going to be unhappy. So it sort of worked out as a happy accident. And for a little while. It was extraordinary for the Baltimore Ravens. Marcus Peters for a couple Where seasons. Where is he this year? Uh, in Vegas. And Vegas. Not, going, not, not good. Well, he doesn't want to tackle anymore. He's reached the point of yeah, his... I can understand hang that. Hang on. There's a... <laughs> I got to show you. There's a video that's been making the rounds this week of <laughs> just one of the... One of the... Hang on. Uh, here's the is clip. that an important does, aspect does, of the game? Yeah, it does Mark. Well, I mean, a lot of cornerbacks aren't great at tackling. Right, like, Deion right. Sanders was never much of a tackler. Right. But he was like at this point in your career when you're getting burned. Here we go. Eh, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all right. Love to know the score. Can you pull that up 
Gr- Griffin for the video. We can actually I, now show videos during the show. I love the. I lo- yeah, to, I'd love the, to know the score of that game. There is it like? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Right. I'm good. <laughs> if you just search right now on Twitter, Marcus Peters, like the second tweet that you will see is from someone named Khalid, and the quote is, "Does Marcus Peters hate the Raiders?" <laughs> Which is perfect. That's a good one. And I don't know who Scott is from the Bears. I actually have no idea who that player is, number 13 for the Chicago Bears, that's running after him. But Marcus Peters makes a business decision. That's, Marcus that's Peters clear, decides, clearly what that is. decides he's good. Do you, can you share it with everybody? Can you get it up on the screen for yes, everybody to see yes, it? Yes, yes. It is uh, very much, uh, well, I was going to call it an arm tackle, but it's barely even that. It's not. It's, 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 it's a it's matador. A it's an Olay. Yeah, it, exactly right. It's at first, uh, maybe I'll think about it, and then, you know what, I'm good here. It's throwing a fingertip at it. There's nothing like, uh, Nothing that I'm going to accomplish by actually attempting Ooh, to make man. this task. Yeah, stopping him is not that important. Yeah, we're good here. I don't know if you guys have noticed the team's no good. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and make the decision that I don't need to take that on. Tyler Scott is apparently the wide receiver for the Bears that was coming after him. Did you share it? Did everybody see it? Yes. Okay, yes. all right. Yes, I, unfortunately, I, I don't have the screen in front of me, so I don't know what everybody's seeing right now. Um, oh, I sent you another thing that I want to share right. in a minute, so uh, make sure you have that as well. All right, all right. Uh, but anything else that you would say? Like, is it? Am I crazy to think that a team that's leading the league in sacks? Uh, coaching, head coaching. Yeah. You think that's where they're going to make the trade? Yeah, I the think they. I think you trade gonna, for Belichick? Belichick. You think maybe you make that move yeah. right now? Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Um, am I crazy to think that they could still, even though they have twenty nine sacks? What Bo's talking about, where you're, are you counting on? I think Clowney and Van Noy have played incredibly well. Yeah. Are you confident that you can get that same level from those guys all the way through to late January, February? Are you? Con- I just to me. What's the latest on our friend uh, Tyus? Uh, your guess is as good as mine, right. Stan the Fan Joe. The latest on Tyus Bowser is you can join us on Tuesday, November seventh for the. Tyus Bowser Show at Guilford Hall Brewery in Station North. It's a partnership with Pressbox and Great Eights Memorabilia. And it's brought to you he's by just AJ. Ma- he's Ma- just making so much money on the Tyus Bowser yeah, Show that he's. Football, why right? would he play football? I don't think it's that lucrative, Stan. <laughs> I don't think it's. He's not saying, I, I'm good. I, I'm I think good. we got a very good deal for the Tyus Bowser Show. Um, yeah, the Tyus Bowser Show brought to you by uh, Great. How he did that part? Superbook Sports, AJ Michaels, and HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. Pressboxonline.com slash Bowser in order for you to find out more. T- next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, November 7th. Look, I I wish I had an answer for you. Yeah. Tyus was approached this week by reporters in the locker room and said he would prefer not to speak. Although, in fairness, the Ravens are supposed to have a policy that injured players don't, don't speak. speak. It's, it's a very awkward spot. To be so he gets paid by the word when he does the show. But then it's it's even more awkward because it's NFI. Well, yeah, right. So <laughs> so he says more during the <laughs> show in order to try to make more in that process. Um, it's a very awkward situation because it's NFI because it's not football, and so the Ravens would have the option to not pay Tyus because it's non football. But you don't want to do that if the player is going to be. Coming like, back, right? You, come d- back. you don't want to end up creating a level a of awkwardness, yeah. correct? So it's a very uncomfortable spot, mm-hmm. kind of for everybody. Where the Ravens sort of want to like, let's get an answer here. We also kind of have to make some decisions, and it's yeah, it's just not a good yeah. spot. To it be would in. be like really nice to know that hey, in two weeks, yeah, he's we're gonna definitely going to have Tyus Bowser back on the field, especially with the trade deadline being what it is. And stand to your point, like I, 
if I'm the Ravens, I'm not making decisions assuming that Tyus Bowser will be back. And right. that's why I am still at least interested in edge rusher at the yeah. deadline. Yeah. All right. Let's grab a break here. When we come back in. Yes. Uh, Anthony Heron. Anthony Heron's going to join us. Come back in. Yes. You never told me that was definitely Yes, happening. I know. I'm sorry. We'll preview Maryland Northwestern. Anthony Heron, our friend from Big Ten Network, is going to check in with us uh, ahead of that game. That's next. Stands here. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Come for a game. Stay for everything else. Book an unforgettable fall getaway in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouthwatering eats, and endless entertainment. Treat yourself to a staycation in the heart of downtown or try one of the city's many charming neighborhood hotels. And don't miss out on packages for free parking, breakfast, and more. Plan your stay at Baltimore.org slash hotels. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Tyus Bowser Show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 The Fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show. A partnership, a press box, and great ace memorabilia. The next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, November 7th at Guilford Home Brewery in Station North. It's brought to you by A.J. Michaels, Superbook Sports, and HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels, heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, AJMichaels.com. 
Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Make sure you're tuned in every Tuesday for Pressbox Fantasy Football Analyst Joe Serpico to get you ready for your Waiver Wire Wednesday, brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. And if you have other fantasies you want fulfilled, subscribe to Glenn and Jeremy Kahn's OnlyFans page at... Wait, are people supposed to know about that? Back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Friday edition of the program. Stan the Fan Charles is here. Stan, I know you just did one show this week. Yeah. Did the baseball show. Yeah, did the baseball show on Monday. Uh, Next week, uh, we'll be back to two shows. And you will be back on Monday. Monday and probably uh, probably Thursday. Monday and Thursday. Okay, very good. Uh, yeah, it's the off day. The World Series would be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday next week. Right. Off Thursday and then right. Friday, Saturday right. would be games six and seven next weekend. So that's the schedule. But stay in the fan every Monday talking baseball with Ross Grimsley and Luke Jackson. Facebook.com slash Sports. YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline if you miss it live or PressBoxOnline.com or sorry, Facebook.com slash Sports and click on the videos tab. Those are all the ways for you to see his shows. All right, we continue along. I mentioned, obviously, the World Series gets underway tonight. Ravens-Cardinals coming up on Sunday. Also, Maryland football comes out of their bye, and they desperately, this is an absolute must-win territory for them after a miserable loss to Illinois two weeks ago at home. Just a dreadful defeat that they suffered there. They cannot afford to give anything back at all as Maryland gets back onto the field tomorrow afternoon. They are at Northwestern at noon. Navy is off, by the way, this weekend. Big game over at Towson this weekend as they host Delaware. Um, That's always a huge game, and Delaware is, I believe, in the top ten right now. So that's going to be a big game over there. Should be a huge crowd for that one. What time does that game start? Do you know? Uh, That's a 1 o'clock game. It's a 1 o'clock Tomorrow game for at Delaware at Towson. Yep, that's a 1 o'clock game there. But we focus right now on Maryland and Northwestern. Noon tomorrow, the game will air on Big Ten Network. And joining us once again right here on GCR, man who will be on the call for Maryland-Northwestern on BTN. He is, of course, a former Iowa Hawkeye and NFL defensive end. He is a friend, Mr. Anthony Heron, and he's back with us now here on GCR. And it's Glenn in Baltimore. Stan the Fan Charles is in studio with me. It's good to talk to you as always, man. Thanks for taking the time for us. Hey, fellas. I really appreciate it. I'm actually on my way driving to Evanston as we speak and meet with the Wildcats coaches. We had a chance to talk to Coach Locks and his staff earlier in the week. I'm excited about tomorrow. What do you make of Maryland? You know, they lose to Ohio State fine. They, frankly, were about as competitive as most teams have been with Ohio State for a little while. But that was brutal, losing at home to Illinois. For a team that's trying to show progress, for a team that's trying to take a step forward, what do you make of, of what happened there and how they've handled that coming out of it? Yeah, it's a bad loss. It is, man. There's no doubt about that. It makes a, a double-digit win kind of season. It, it makes the road towards that that much more difficult because that's, it's a great threshold for a program to be able to get to where you say you had kind of a magical year and you're likely going to be in a – you know, New Year's Six kind of bowl if you can do that. But now losing to the Illini, and it was, I'd say there's two ends of that. It was the best performance of the season for Illinois. It was also the worst performance of the season for the Terps. And there struck me as a couple of different reasons why. And I was talking to Michael Loxley about this the other day, just that 
it, it struck me as a team that took the field not necessarily as engaged as you would like. And Coach Locks kind of, you know, alluded to that, even just kind of seeing some signs of that in preparation leading up to the game. But he did say that the, you know, you got a handful of starters on each side of the ball out of the game. That, that's a big deal. You guys are seeing the development of Talia Tongavalo and what Corey Deitches has meant yeah. to that, especially, you know, not just some key late game moments over the last couple of years, but he's been an explosive target as a tight end in a bunch of their games this season. So to not have him, to not have other key pass catchers be a little bit banged up, even in the backfield. Coming out of the bye, it does sound like the uh, the Terps have been able to to get fairly healthy, so they're pretty hopeful about some of those guys who were out. I think that's going to end up being a really big deal for them traveling to Evanston. Anthony, is is that there, there's never been a question – that Mike's, Mike Loxley is the right guy for this job at Maryland. It's a hard job, and he he brings a lot to the table. The questions have been, and that's on the recruiting side of things and also the leadership side of things, but the one question we always still have lurking about him, is he a good game day coach? In watching that game against Illinois, is there anything you think he could have done on game day to to jockey his horse a little bit better or or is it is that that game lost by in the mental preparation the week prior well i do think that the talia Valoa played well in that game and that gets lost a little bit because he obviously aside from a few snaps he played at a really high level against ohio state mm-hmm. but the performance is demagnetized because of some key errors between himself and some of his past catchers. I would have loved to have seen, you know, in the in some of the red zone moments, short yardage moments, to, to have the ball in Talia Tongavailoa's hand, to let him make the decision, to let him be the one feeding it or running it, or, you know, have maybe a run-pass option in some of those scenarios. And, you know, it's, it's a delicate balance because it's sort of this a retroactive sort of reaction to it. But an offensive line that I do think has shown some promise this year has been inconsistent. But they love to have the run game, adding that, providing a run-pass balance to their offense. But to me, you don't want to go too many plays in a row without Talia being the one who's mm-hmm. making the decision, whether it's as a passer or as a runner. So I'd say if anything that stands out, I think um, you know, some of those, those key moments, whether in the red zone or whether in short yardage, and, and not having talk about low would be the one to, to try and either feed the football to a playmaker or have an option outside the pocket with a run-pass you know, sort of option. And I think that's probably one tweak that I would have liked to have seen made in game because the preparation leading into it, as you guys know, there's there's only so much you can do about it on game day, but it does end up playing a huge factor in how prepared you are. Yeah. So when you are short of some weapons, then in game, I'd say your, your best player, your key playmaker is the one who should be having the ball in some of those key moments. Anthony Heron, Big Ten Network with us here on GCRs. He's getting ready for Maryland Northwestern on Sunday Anthony, th- this is a fragile fan base here, right? Like, you know, you, you can't be all that surprised. It, this is Maryland football that we're talking about. Not Iowa. Yeah, yeah I mean, certainly not. <laughs> where, they, where they had two yards of offense in the second half last week. Not that I'm sure you want to talk about that. Um, so, and you know, when, when something like the result, like what happened two weeks ago happens, it is natural for this fan base to sort of say, ah, same old Maryland, this is the way that it goes. Why might that not be the case? What what would do you still believe there's a chance that this is a team that can right the ship this Saturday 
and be in position to have a chance to be competitive to pull off a major upset against a Penn State or a Michigan that's still on the schedule? I, I very much do, guys. I mean, I think that what we see tomorrow will, will end up sort of leading evidence in either direction. I, I talked about it a bit on the Big Ten Network, even in studio the week leading into that Illini game, because as much as it can be difficult for teams to, to sort of get back up after a big emotional win and you sort of feel like you're riding high, it can also be difficult to, to get back up emotionally after a crushing defeat. And there's no doubt, you know, Ghost Locks was talking to us about it this week. That was a Maryland team that showed up feeling like they could beat and should beat Ohio State. And so when you don't end up getting sort of the, the spoils of your reward, then, you know, all, all that effort you put in, it, it can be very dejecting afterwards. And you do need to be able to get back up and recover from that. And they put themselves in position after a really slow start. And they've had a couple of other slow starts this season where they were able to just sort of put their foot on the gas and eventually blow opponents out. But then when you are short of weapons, it was difficult to, uh, to do that, even though they fought their way back into the game against the Illini. I do think the maturity of the program, the stamina that's necessary, not just the physical stamina because they, they were a bit of a mash unit going into that game against Illinois, but the mental and emotional stamina. That's where I think Talia Tonga-Vailoa, Jay Sean Jones, players like that who've been around the block with yeah. this program a lot, they've got to make sure that they step forward and have everyone on task. And it, it frankly sounds like it was a bit of a feisty practice week hmm. as well, which, you know, in my experience, that, that tends to be a good sign that a team's got a bad taste in their mouth and that they're ready to, to get back onto the field against an opposite colored jersey and put a good performance out there. So I'm eager to see what they're going to look like. I, I realize that by asking this, I'm, I'm probably opening up a can of worms that could lead to a six-hour-long conversation, and that's not what I'm looking to do, but... I mean, we'd be remiss, obviously, that, you know, you know, the biggest story in the Big Tens, what's going on at Michigan, Anthony. I I don't know what to make of it. It does kind of touch on Maryland a little bit because Josh Gaddis's name comes up in this conversation. And Mike Loxley was dismissive of it, dismissive of it, said, hey, that's a Michigan problem. That's not a Maryland problem. I, what do you make of all of this? I feel like it's so it's there have been a lot of people within the sport who have said, dude, it's sign stealing. Everybody does that. You know, it's what it is. There are other people that want to compare it to the Houston Astros from a couple years ago. I. Is it as significant as we think it might be? Is it? Do, how do we even talk about the Michigan situation, Anthony? I do think the allegations are very significant. And, yes, there, there are forms of sign stealing that are either attempted or executed all throughout sports, and certainly in football. Like even the, the clip that got maybe the most run on social media kind of showed from the Ohio State game uh, against Michigan last year where you could see sort of looking over C.J. Stroud's shoulder and you could kind of see the Michigan sideline. C.J. Stroud looks over towards the Ohio State sideline and then you can see all the Michigan sideline players and coaches start to gesticulate. And they're looking at the Buckeye sideline. And they're signaling this and that. That just in a vacuum is not odd. It's not that unique in football. You're looking at the opposing sideline, who's subbing in and out, what signals are they using. You're hoping in-game, whether it is to be able to capture some sort of a, a key word or a key phrase that they audibleize off of. For me as an old defender, we constantly did things like that in game. Like, oh, when the offensive line said Tuesday, we, we knew they were going on two. Or when they used this phrase, I got scoop blocked away on that play. So make sure when you hear that, here's how we should be reacting to it. Things like that happen constantly. The substitutions you make on defense are based off of the substitutions 
that the offense makes. So looking at the opposing sideline and especially in-game, hoping to capture some sort of a strategic advantage because you've picked up on some of their tendencies or some of their phrases, that is just a week-in, week-out part of the sport. Now to send someone there potentially weeks in advance and to have them video recording uh, you know, some of these things with signals and signs and, and to have that level of technological uh, advantage, allegedly, then I think that's, that's something that, yes, yeah, should be looked into. And it does sound like there are some pretty serious allegations with it. And, you know, what, what will be difficult to, is to see whether it's Connor Stallions acting alone. Is it right. something where, you know, they can prove that it's kind of kind of run up the flagpole with the program also. So I don't necessarily know where it goes, but are the allegations serious? Yeah, I, I do believe they're serious. Just like in the national football league, how everything went down with Spygate. Um, in the end, you know, Deion Sanders even alluded to this the other day. No matter what route you know the guy's going to run, you still got to cover him. No matter what hole you know the running back is going to run through, you still got to get on and off of a block and make a tackle. Right. So it doesn't guarantee you anything, but there are rules to these situations that you want everyone trying to adhere by. Does it make you feel differently about what Michigan's accomplished the last couple of years and getting over the hump with Ohio State and winning the Big Ten? And getting to, Do you feel at all differently about it knowing what we know now? I mean, not yet, because I, I don't. I really don't feel like we know everything yet. Um, but I'm, I'm certainly, I'm eager to find out more. I'm yeah. certainly curious to where things end up going from here. But no, I'm not the, not at the point yet where I would say I, I put what Michigan has accomplished over the last couple of seasons into some sort of a different category. You know, Aiden Hutchinson is one of the all-time Big Ten great defensive linemen. And Blake Forum, sure. Hassan Haskins. You know, some of these key figures in helping them to overcome Ohio State. In recent seasons, these are exceptional football players who did big things. They won the Joe Moore, Moore, Joe Moore Award back-to-back years because they had the best offensive line in the country. It wasn't necessarily because they had a, you know, I, I have a hard time relating that to, you know, advanced scouting of recording signals and things of that. So Michigan has been exceptional. And at the moment, I'm not at a point where I'm, I'm looking to, to detract from that or it makes me feel differently about some of the excellence that they've shown on the field. Big Ant Heron on Twitter is how you follow him. Tomorrow, noon, Big Ten Network, Maryland Northwestern. Is I'll the be watching. Try to get right. Uh, it'll be an important one for them tomorrow. Anthony Heron, always appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us today. Yeah, I appreciate it, fellas. I know that where Maryland's program is at right now, it's, it's reasonable scrutiny for where things are at and where they're going Think about in state college, man. James Franklin has been there for a decade yeah. with Penn State. They just came off another tough loss, too. Like, winning games is difficult. Beating the very best teams in the country is exceptionally difficult, too. Maryland has gotten to a really, really good place where a tough loss to Illinois after outplaying Ohio State for a bunch of that game where the fan base doesn't feel good about that. I think that shows signs of progress because the expectations have rightfully risen up. I appreciate your positivity. I do. I appreciate that. We're just, we are a fragile bunch, man. That's what we are. Uh, We're hoping for the best. Thanks, brother. Let's talk soon, all right? All right, fellas. I appreciate you. Anthony Heron with us here on GCR. Yeah, that was a brutal. I mean, and I appreciate Ant not trying to sugarcoat it. That was a brutal, terrible, brutal loss. For a program that's trying to prove. That steps have I just been had taken. some problems with that play calling. I get it. I, that, those, those, you're like in a close football game. I get, I get choosing your spots to go for a bomb, but first down when you're trying to really want to get a drive going and get 
and then all of a sudden you're second and ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just there were two of those in the second half that just mystified me. They were like 40, 50 yard throws, and I didn't get it. Do you have yeah. any thoughts at all about the Michigan situation, Stan? Have you I, like it's so complicated to me that I am. St- I, I admit which a, which aspect of it? Just whether I would say truly how wrong what they were doing was i haven't fi- i know that they were doing something with this they were this. sending they, they, either somebody was going on they, they were doing it what are we yeah we have right any, they were sending someone out to advance sign steel oh advanced sign steel so they could use sign right and then they were we have video of them literally having like a clipboard of here's what to look for in each game if you see this sign that's what they're trying to do there and it's, it's this sort of gray area because it, it's sort of what I said about the Astros. I get it. I know that what the Astros did was beyond what was supposed yeah. to happen. But it, we also have this sort of wink, wink, nudge, nudge thing that goes on when it comes to sign stealing. And I don't know what to make of it. I don't yeah. know how to feel about Michigan. I do think that if you have a rule, you have to enforce it. And if they, everybody in that program is going to fall on the sword for Jim Harbaugh, right? right. Like every so are they making some low-level guy to right now, throwing him the, so, under the so bus? So far, that's the guy that's being thrown right. under the bus. Like he, but, came up with the, he came up with the idea of doing it. But they're going to continue right. to investigate. The right. report last night is that so far their investigation has not been able to tie Jim Harbaugh to it. Like Jim Harbaugh just, mm-hmm. oh, look, wow, you have right. all these signs. That's right. that's weird. Right. I, I wonder how like that— Rick, Like Rick Patino never knew that his— uh, right. his uh, Recruiting people were getting hookers oh, yes, for correct. the players. Exactly yeah, no, right. No. right. No, they just 100%. came up with it on their own. Yeah. What, what do you mean? Now there was a time, and Drew. Brought I'd like this up to be recruited by Rick Pitino. I would have liked to have been recruited by a lot of places, Stan. A lot of places I would have settled for. Um, but and Drew brought this up the other day. There was a time within college sports where essentially there would be a rule: whatever you're doing, do not let the head coach find. He he knew something was happening. Right. But I don't want to know what because it allowed for plausible deniability. Right. So you go out and do whatever you want to do, and that way when he, when the investigators come in, the head coach can always say, I didn't know. I didn't know. Now, the, is it absurd? Of course it's absurd. They knew something, but they just might not have known the details of right. what was going on. Right. That the it was a blonde that. Joe Blow was exact, getting a blonde. Uh, yes, thank you. Glenn right? Clark was getting a redhead. Yeah, yeah, the whole thing. We had orders, right? And like, <laughs> we put in our order on a Friday night. Yeah. Um, and they walked in. They said, hey, what do you guys want for lunch tomorrow? And everybody knew what we were talking about. Um, I, I say that because the NCAA's rules state that he didn't have to know. They could still punish him heavily even if they can't prove that he knew because the rules state that the head coach of the program is supposed to have you know, institutional control over everything that's going on in the program. So you're going to... We can punish you for not knowing. You, you can try to use plausible deniability, but that's what everybody used for years, and so we changed the rules to cover that as well. You have to know what's going on in every la- layer of your... Yeah. I don't, I don't work, get worked up about it. I didn't get worked up about the Astros stuff. I right. get it. They had to punish the Astros. And in my mind, they're probably going to have to punish Jim Harbaugh significantly, like like a year's worth of suspension is in what I think might end up having to happen here. But I also think that everybody at Michigan would say, well, we won the big 10 twice and we beat Ohio state twice. Right. Okay. So we got to suspend Jim Harbaugh for a season worth it. I don't worth think it. he takes a year suspension. Does I think he, he, go, resi- I think he, he resigns. To, chooses to go back to the NFL yeah, at that point yeah. or high school. 
Oh yeah. So rumor you, uh, Concordia, Concordia Prep. They Concordia think they, prep. they could be making a move. I, I think there. they're happy where they're at. I don't honestly. know. He, you know, he's got a relationship with Biff. That's maybe, right. Maybe this is the time for him Biff, to come back. Biff comes in and talks to Pataglia. Right. Says it's not your time right now. Right. Wow. We got a guy. Just we need to. We need to rehab that. There'd be a lot of places. That and we got to make Pataglia. a change. We'll put you in the broadcast booth. John. Oh, okay. Now yeah. that's that's a pretty good boot. Yeah. Wait, with and Goodman's got to go. Yeah, right. With got to keep Griffin Bass. Yeah, oh, thank he goodness. is. He is thank the respected goodness. voice of Concordia <laughs> Prep football. The heralded voice of Concordia. Her- Prep I like that. The herald. So, uh, Stan, there's a thing that happens sometimes on uh, Jeopardy, where they do a sports category. Yeah. And a lot of times when they do a sports category, it just doesn't go well. Okay. Last night on Jeopardy, they did a sports category, and uh, it didn't go so well. It started out okay. Mm -hmm. The concept was we name certain players. You tell us what position those players played. That's the concept of the category. Okay. And the first one, they got easily. And then it was downhill from there. Here is uh, this. From uh, Jeopardy last night, as uh, Griffin's going to try to show everybody the video. Another 2000. Uh, a Hall of Fame by position 400. Joe Namath, Joe Montana, Mason. What is quarterback? Right. Got it. Right. Hall of Famer by position 800. Bill Russell, Bill Walton. They are basketball centers. Mason. Mm. Hall of Famer by position 1200. Bob Feller, Bob Lemon, Bob Gibson. <laughs> Baseball pitchers. This might be a long category. <laughs> Two left, Mason. Let's try Hall of Famer by position for 1600. Hey, sports fans, I believe in you. Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, John Stallworth. They are wide receivers. And let's finish it off. Gump Worsley, Shrimp Waters, at Westwood. <laughs> it just sounds like I'm making people up. These are hockey goalies. In hockey fairness. Goalies. In fairness, that one is very difficult. Like the last one. Th- that one are, I knew. I yeah. wasn't clear on the Bill Russell. Bill. Oh Moore. yeah, you were gonna miss that yeah, one. You weren't sure. Jerry you were Rice. Was Jerry Rice? Was he? Uh, yeah. Might have been. Stallworth. Randy Moss. I think he was a golfer. Yeah, sports categories. I don't tend think they'll be, be bringing that category back very soon. Yeah. Very disappointed in that guy once you know once he got the first one. Yeah, right. right. I, was like, I was like, I was oh, like, oh man, so this, this guy's guy. on to something. He's yeah. got this is gonna it be his is, opportunity right. to create a little separation here. It this is funny guy. when it cuts to it in there are every single category has been picked. Yeah, and that was the and last was one. The last yeah, that was the last one left single, on the board. Everybody every knew. Did did they actually have somebody pick the last one? Because he it sounded like Ken uh, Well that was the last yeah, was that the was the last thing left on the board. Oh the last thing left on the board. So they didn't have a choice other than to go to that one for the last one. Interesting category. Yeah, would have been the only category that I would have done well with <laughs> in Jeopardy, but uh, those that crew did not handle the Hall of Famer by position category. Bob well. Lemon, Bob Feller, Bob, Bob Gibson, Gibson, and they just all sit there ashing. Just uh, Bill Russell, uh, I don't know. Uh, bridge too far. Yeah, Jerry Rice, Randy <laughs> Moss, John Stallworth. Re- oh boy! I mean, if you if you knew. If you knew Joe who Mont- Joe Namath and Joe yeah. Montana were, if you yeah. knew who Joe Montana was, you don't know who Jerry Rice is. I love the names of the hockey goalies, though. Yeah, it's a what good. What were group. the names? I Gump Worsley right away. Yeah, I, knew, I don't remember I who the other two were. Who were the it other was, two? Uh, Rat Westwick and yeah. Shrimp Waters. Never heard of the two of them, but I, I knew I, Gump Worsley. 
I, you know what's really funny, too? I actually didn't know who any of them were. Yeah. But I swear to God, when I was watching this clip last night, I said, oh, hockey. I bet they're hockey goalies. Yeah. I swear to God. Red. Gump Worsley used to play uh, quite often at the Civic Center against oh. the Baltimore Clippers. How he was a that? goaltender for the Quebec Aces oh. when he was uh, coming back from an injury. How about that? Yeah. How about that? Stan pointed out. I was uh, I was diving into some skipjacks history in Kenny That's Alberts. Mo- Montreal Canadiens farm right. team. It was Quebec. Quebec I was diving into sk- Kenny Alberts got a new book out about his career, and there's a lot of skipjacks in there right. in the first few chapters so i was uh, well, i don't that, that'll draw a lot of I, that'll, that's that's, that's exactly of, i gotta buy that book. that's exactly what everybody in the country is saying to themselves <laughs> i needed a little more it's not just skipjacks it's just early on he starts telling the story of his time with you. the skipjacks i got you all right when we come back in we will get a tidbit we'll get Tubi to start winding down for a friday edition of glenn clark radio the latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Todd Karpovich profiles the Orioles' survivors. Anthony Santander, Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, and Ryan Mancastle, who all came from the previous regime but stuck through tough times to be key pieces in guiding the franchise back to prominence. Also inside, we remember the iconic Brooks Robinson with tributes from Jim Henneman and myself, Stan the Fan Charles, and a trip down memory lane to remember the most significant moments of his career. Plus, we meet players from college basketball programs around the state. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Baltimore County Police Department is now hiring with competitive salaries, including for experienced police officers, starting salaries between over $68,000 and over $82,000 based on your prior service time, accepting up to seven years of service times with only six weeks in the academy, minimum of two years prior experience. And police cadet starting salaries at over $32,000 must be between the ages of 18 and 20, but you can apply starting at 17 and a half. Must have a high school diploma or GD equivalent at the time of the hire, U.S. citizen at the time of the hire, and a valid driver's license. So if you have a passion for service and want a career for life, now is the time to join the Baltimore County Police Department. Call 410-887-5542 or visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food, check. Quality of service, check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Come for a game, stay for everything else. 
Book an unforgettable fall getaway in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouthwatering eats, and endless entertainment. Treat yourself to a staycation in the heart of downtown or try one of the city's many charming neighborhood hotels. And don't miss out on packages for free parking, breakfast, and more. Plan your stay at Baltimore.org hotels. Don't forget about Project Game Day after every Ravens game this season. It's kind of like this show, except Rita's also there, so I actually think it's pretty good. But hey, you're already here now, so why don't you go ahead and keep listening to GCR. All right, winding down for a Friday and for the week here on GCR. Griffin, you want to let everybody know what's going on at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland? Yes, I would love to tell you about the second chance to win drawing that they have going on right now. If luck wasn't on your side in a recent bet at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland, you can get ready to turn those losses into winning opportunities with the second chance to win promotion. Between now and January 4th, 2024, all Live Casino in Hotel Maryland Maryland Rewards members will be able to enter their losing bet slips into the second chance to win drum. In two nights a week, 20 different winners will be chosen. Prizes ranging from live casino and Hotel Maryland apparel, sports and social ultimate happy hour prizes, and cash in free play worth up to $500. Drawings will be held every Thursday and Monday at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Adirondack Mills must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. Very good. Very good. Stan, uh, what's on your docket for this weekend? Um, starting the World Series tonight. I always get together with my cousin, Stuart, and cool. we watch uh, probably two of the games together in a World Series. How long have you been doing been that? Done, since the mid-'80s. Wow, that's yeah, neat. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. So we're looking forward to getting together tonight. Uh, I'll watch the Maryland game tomorrow, and of course I'll watch the Raven game on Sunday. So you got it. It's a it's a home hangout. It's a home. It's weekend. a home thing. I like just that. enjoying the walking weather. Yeah, I finally have got a little bit of my Achilles problem behind me. Been battling it for like over a year, really. And uh, I realize it had been that long. That's yeah. awful. That's awful. I, uh, I will be able to enjoy the weather tomorrow because I'm working uh, soccer matches outdoors. Uh. And, of course, it's perfect weather for Griffin because he'll be in, like, 20-degree weather <laughs> as I've got him doing hockey this weekend. Oh, good. I've got him doing <laughs> hockey. Stevenson Ice hockey, baby. Yeah, and it is the coldest rink known to me. The Reisterstown Sports. I Every rink is cold. The Reisterstown Sportsplex is a level of cold I can't possibly describe. Like, I like hockey. Right. Um, but I purposefully end up choosing to do less games. I also have so this cold. I have this vasovagal syncope thing, so I think it affects me in, in ways that it doesn't affect other people, mm-hmm. right? Like I I can't function in the cold. In in the cold like that. Like I can't do what I need to do in order to deliver a How a, cold how I'm, cold is it? Or is this your, you haven't done a game my, yet? Uh, I've done I did a couple last year, so okay. I'm trying to figure out if I want to break out the boots already or It's going to be awkward. The, when I'm on the yeah, it's going to be awkward because tomorrow everybody else is going to be like, "Wow, it's 80 degrees outside. It's it's nice. Everybody's going to be out in their shorts my... and Griffin's going to have his parka on." <laughs> Walking into the Rice I'm definitely wearing the play. big heavy jacket. Socks. Yeah. Double yeah. the socks. Yep. Yeah. So maybe wear regular shoes, but yeah, triple yeah, double, double the socks. Double, not, yep. Don't triple. Double. Double, double socks. It is, it is cold socks. in there, man. Yeah, it, is. it is cold. Probably go with cold, the fingerless cold. gloves like yeah. I normally do. I yeah, love those. That's a good play. I've heard about people who have lost uh, digits. You know, in that in that uh, in the Rice oh, Town yeah. Sportsplex? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. The frostbite problem it's, is 
Yeah. It's terrible. Bring a, it's ter- a couple. That's not true. Grant, I think, is legitimately concerned that bring, that's true. Bring a couple. Grant. Bring, isn't Grant his assistant? Yeah. Isn't Grant his producer? Yeah, my spotter. Bring a yeah. couple of uh, Bic lighters. With right. you. They're always good to keep the digits warm. I did. The only time in my life that I ever did New Year's Eve in Times Square, which if I can encourage you all to do one thing in your life, Don't. never do yeah. New Year's Eve in Times Square. By far and away, the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, but right after, how old were you? I, know, I was a was freshman. Last I was year? a freshman was in college. I was year. a freshman in college, and it was right after 9/11. And everybody said nobody's going to go to Times Square this year because right. so there was still a lot of terror concerns. Right. And so, like somehow, we convinced ourselves that like we were good Americans, like we were doing our part by going out for New Year's Eve in Times Square. So some friends of mine and I, we went up to New York, and we didn't know what we were doing. Our buddy said, "You were yeah. amateurs." Oh, we were very much amateur. And our buddy said, look, we can sneak in a couple of, um, you know, flasks or whatever. But we'll go. We got to get there. If you want to see the ball drop, you got to get there early enough to get a spot. Well, as it turns out, again, there was the smallest crowd they've ever had in Times Square that year. Right. We get there at like 4 o'clock. And there's nothing to do. <laughs> you got there for like eight hours. Eight hours. You're just standing there Cold. like a-holes. Miserable, and we had packed in. We had bought like a hundred little those hand warmers, right? And we're all like, we're like shoving them down our pants <laughs> and things like that. We're just idiots in the effing cold with nothing to do, and you can't leave the. They like they like lock you in this one block radius, and if you leave, you can't get back. Like if you Jeez. leave, you gotta you know good luck to you. And so, so in, in that one block, there's all there is is like one pizza shop, and it's got the longest line in the history of humanity <laughs> to try to get some. It sucked. When are you going back? Suck, never. <laughs> when we first started dating, my buddy, my be, my childhood best friend lives in Brooklyn, and he asked. Um, you dated your best yes, friend? Yes, correct. And he's, he's very That's what hot. I got too. He's right? very good looking. <laughs> um, no, he invited uh, my wife, my now wife and I, to right. come up to New York for New Year's Eve. Now, I knew, because he was with us the first time, we weren't going to Times Square. We were right. just going just up to, going spend, to New York, spend right. the night with friends. I'd watch it on TV. Ex- like normal people would. Yeah. So I'm... I guess Mrs. Clark didn't understand that. Right. So we got up there and like, you know, we went and saw the tree because the tree was still up in Rockefeller Center. So we went into town. Yeah, I got you. And then at, at like, like four, at like two o'clock, when the crowd started four coming o'clock, in, you left. we said, now it's time for us to depart and go do anything else for New Year's Eve. And Mrs. Clark was very confused. Like, we're not going to see the ball drop. And I had I'm like, I need I, if our relationship is going to be built on trust. I need you to trust me right now. You never want to do this, ever. You might be thinking to yourself every year that you've been watching it on TV, like, I should do that sometime. No. Those people look like they're having a blast. No, they're not. (laughs) They're miserable. They just all smile because they're on TV. That's all it is. It sucks. They don't want to admit that night that yeah, they right. This, what this a terrible a decision we made. Yes. I have never made a worse decision in my life than spending New Year's. But yes, I got all those. Those I'm telling you, we probably purchased a hundred hand warmers. We went to multiple stores in the days leading up to that. Like we're gonna be all right, and they were all burnt out by like seven o'clock. So on top mm. of everything, you still froze. We're still froze. Miserable. There were multiple times where we looked at each what other. What was the concept behind getting there? at Four o'clock. Okay, so they, all right, let's just say, here, I'll draw a map for you. If the ball is here, right, if this is the building that the ball is right. on, right? In Times Square, there are buildings, because, you know, there's the there's buildings here, here. Yeah. Every block, right. they cordon and section off. 
Okay. And once they section it off, so like some people get there at like six in the morning. Oh, to be so in the main section right, right by the ball. And okay. they keep cording it off every time a section gets filled. Uh, now I understand. So if you want to see the ball, like I can only draw so many blocks which, here. Which section did you we get like, at four? We were like you were already the third, third section. The, the third of the, we were somewhere yeah. in this one right here. Not at even four a particularly good section. No. So if we had gotten there at six o'clock yeah, or eight o'clock, right, even eight thirty, and this was by the way the year there was nobody in Times Square right. because and it was kind of staggering. We looked up; there were snipers on top of right. every building in Times Square that year because it was right after nine eleven, right? So, it, like, if we had gotten there later, we wouldn't have seen the ball drop. So all of those people that you see have been there since noon or whatever. They're in hell. That is hell, what they are experiencing right there. I can't suggest anything's more strongly than never, ever, ever, ever go to Times Square for New Year's Eve. Mm. It stinks. Stink. And, it was also and the 20. bathroom is... There was is that one s- bathroom inside that pizza parlor. Oh, my God. And you couldn't use it unless you bought something. And the line to buy something was 100 people deep. Because it was the only pizza parlor in the block where you could eat. Where you could get food. So, so by the way, I also didn't want to drink. Like, everybody's like, oh, we got these flasks. I'm like, yeah, but where are we going to pee? Right Do, back you, into the flask. The truth? That's a diaper night. Uh, I'm not kidding. That's a night where adults are out wearing diapers uh, in Times Square. It stinks. All right, so there you go. There's a fun story from my past. Why did that? Where did that come? Oh, it started from hockey. Yes. It started from working. Because I'm gonna be cold tonight. Yeah. Whereas everybody else is gonna be very <laughs> pleasant tomorrow. I kept thinking about it. I was like signed up to work these outdoor soccer games. Like, why would I do that? In the, the, October twenty eighth. The yeah. end of October. It's gonna stink. Nope. It's gonna be wonderful tomorrow, but not for Griffin. He's give me the cold. choice too. You're like, do you want to play soccer? I did. I let you pick. I did let you. No, I'll do ice hockey. Yep. Don't you feel like a dope? What a what a dope you are. All right, let's get a tidbit from the dope, Griffin Bass. Tidbit is brought to you today by your local Toyota dealer and by Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Uh, the man of the, the hour, the day, I guess, Nathan Eovaldi, he will start game one tonight of the World Series, and he is currently 4-0 in the playoffs this postseason. And to rub it in. Yeah, well, I'm not trying to rub Stand it in. I'm just trying really to point this out. You know. He would become the first pitcher ever to win each of his first five starts if uh, he records the win tonight with the Rangers. He would be 5-0 and to start the postseason, which has never, ever happened. So there's not going to be a long list of people that no. we have to name. Yeah, right. right. Not that. yet. But yeah. yeah, right. There'll be something else. Uh, Will Smith, the reliever for the Rangers, uh, he is looking to be, or no, he will be, the third player to appear on a World Series team, on a World Series roster, in three straight seasons for three different teams. Which is remarkable, considering what he did to Chris Rock, that they've still allowed him to <laughs> to pitch. He was just in Baltimore a couple well, weeks ago, He's in an too. open marriage, yeah. Yeah, Will Smith. I, I don't even know if it's an open, I don't know if it's really a marriage. <laughs> So he is the third player to do this. Two other guys have appeared with three different teams in three straight World Series. Really? Yes. He would be the first to win if the Rangers do win the World Series. He would be Who the were the first. other two? One was Atlanta. Um. Oh, the other two teams that he was on. San yeah, Francisco? The Dodgers. Right? Uh, yes. No. no. Yeah, wait. No, the he Dodgers. wasn't on the Dodgers. He was on the uh, – Oh, the other Will Smith was on the Dodgers. Yeah, right. I'm now running – uh, Yeah, I'm letting Will Smith yeah, yeah. run together, yes. Um. So he was on the Braves. As we know, those are the two Will Smiths what, in what pop culture. Was yeah, what team was he on? Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think he ever pitched out. for the Dodgers. Who were the other two, though, to do this? 
The other two that have done. You done really this. think that I know this? No, I guess not. Uh, he was on the Astros last season. Which oh, I, yeah, he was on the Astros. Okay, because it's set up here. He may not have. He probably didn't pitch. Right. Can, so it's three different teams in three different years. Uh, 1986 to 1988. This player. So were they a Red Sox or a Met? They were. A, they were a Red Sox. In, what in what year was it? I'm sorry. Uh, 86 to 88. He appeared in the World Series. 88. So 86 was the Yeah, we Reds, said, I, we said yes. it was a Red Sox. Mets won he the said series. It was, they were on the 86 Red Sox. He won okay. it in Oh, he won the uh, – wait a minute. The Red Sox didn't win the World Series. Yeah, but he didn't have to no, win. Yeah, they just had to play in the World Series. three World Series in a row. He yes. won it in 87 with the Twins and then uh, in 88 with the A's. Hmm. 86 Red Sox, 87 Twins, 88 A's. Got to be a re- obscure relief pitcher. You would think. Not too, he's not too obscure. I mean – is it a relief pitcher? It, he, I mean, he was a pitcher. Um, I, I think he was. What position was he? Um, Roger. No, no, Clemens. he was a yeah, he was a he was a position player. He was a position player. Yeah. Played Took you that long? To yeah, I know. Sorry. <laughs> I just give it to you. Um, I don't know if Stan can't get it. I don't it think I'm coming up with Don it. Don Baylor. Don, Don Baylor. Baylor. Don Baylor. I didn't realize he was on all those teams. Yeah. Uh, he was on the, the Red Sox. Ones. Who was the second? The Twins. Twins. And the Twins. Twins. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Second one to do it was 07 to 09. He lost. No, he won in 07, sorry, with the Red Sox. Lost wow. with the Rays. And then won it with the Yankees in 09. Or no, the, no, the Yankees. Yeah, the Yankees won it in 09. So it's not CC Sabathia. No. Was this one a pitcher? No, he was a position player as well. Position player as well. These are. This is brutal, bro. Yeah. Like, this is Eric. a really brutal. Eric. Is this what you had for today? No, I have another one. Eric. Oh, Maybe you should have just told okay. us the answer. Eric Hinsky. Okay. Eric Hinsky. Eric Hinsky. Uh, finally, Jordan. All day. Was just, it was on the tip Could've of been my here tongue. All Jordan Addison. By the way, if you had asked me what teams Eric Hinsky played for, which you said it was the Red Sox, the, the Rays. Twins. I'm not sure I would even come up with the three teams that he won. They played in the World Series with. He I would have said the for, Blue Jays. Uh, six, had, he played for the seven a- teams. The Athletics. Uh, no, why? I thought he played for the A's too. No, really? he, he didn't play for the Athletics. He didn't play for the A's. Ooh, I can, oh, I, maybe I confuse him with Eric Chavez. Yeah, maybe that might I'm, be it. Hinsky was the Blue Just Jays. Moneyball last night too. It was pretty. All right, whatever. We're, 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 move on. Yeah, what, what, what do you have? What do you actually uh, have? Uh, Jordan Addison get. is now has six touchdowns during his rookie campaign. Okay. A Maryland native, Jordan Addison. Yeah, Frederick or Chasing, something somewhere out there. Yeah, right? Frederick. Yeah. Yes. Um, and uh, he is looking to become the eighth player since 1998 with 10 touchdowns, 10 receiving touchdowns as a rookie. Can you name the other seven rookies since 1998? Uh, Randy Moss. Randy Moss has the most all-time yeah. by a rookie, and it was, in fact, in 1998 when he had uh, 17 touchdowns. Wasn't Jamar Chase on this list? Jamar Chase a- has the second most since then, 13 touchdowns as a rookie in 2021. Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham, in fact, had 12 touchdowns Very his rookie good. year in 2014. I'm trying to think of guys that actually had big rookie seasons, right? So it's not Cooper Cup. Uh, no, not mm. Cooper it's, Cup. Um, it's not Devontae Adams. Not Devontae Adams. It's not. How about uh, the the Bengals, uh, that green? Uh, A.J. Green? A.J. Green. No, not A.J. Green. Okay. I'm not sure how many he had. About Michael Thomas. Mm, uh, there are two Mikes on the list. Neither Mike Thomas. Mike Evans. Mike Evans, also in 2014, had 12 touchdowns. 
kind of remarkable that Michael Thomas had like a billion touchdowns and he didn't have enough in his rookie season. Yeah, he had nine, so he just missed my cutoff mm, here. The other Mike would be... Yikes. S- sadly, no longer with us, this Mike. He did it in 2010 with the Buccaneers. Michael Clayton? Uh, No, not Michael Clayton. I don't think he passed away. Who passed away? Mike from the Buccaneers in 20 what year? 2010. I don't know. Who was Mike, that? Uh, Mike Williams. That's what I, I, uh, I literally was just about yeah. to say that, but I couldn't remember. I thought uh, I wasn't sure. I don't. Rem- I, bar- I barely remember the other Mike Williams. Yeah. Uh, so one, two more. Two, two more, more with double-digit touchdowns in their rookie season. Julio Jones. Uh, Not Julio Jones. Right. He was an Atlanta Falcon, though. Ridley? Calvin Ridley. Nice. Calvin Ridley. Did Ten nice touchdowns. That's a good point. And this final one. How's he doing this year, by the way? Not great. Not great at all. He had a good week one. Yep. Yeah. Since then, he's been disappointing yeah, he's really, me. He has really disappointed me. I don't know. Uh, A.J. Brown? Not A.J. Brown. He had uh, he had eight, I believe. D.K. Metcalf? Not D.K. Metcalf. He is oh, – I'm about to give it away. Okay, I'll let you get one more guess. He, he's Because it's kind of a trick question. He's not a wide receiver. Gronk? Rob Gronkowski, okay. 10 touchdowns right. in uh, his rookie right. season in 2010. Very good. Wrong. Very good. Very Jordan Addison good. looking to join this list. All right. It's a good list. Uh, tidbit was also brought to you today by the Baltimore County Police Department. Tomorrow is the day. Hiring and community events at the Public Safety Building, 700 East Joppa Road in Towson. Starts in the morning. If you're thinking about joining the Baltimore County Police Department, then you can show up. Take the written test, the agility test, go through the application process. If you're not thinking about that, still come out because it's a great community event, including a trunk or treat for the kids. Get your candy, get the costumes on. 410-887-5542 or join BaltimoreCountyPD.com in order to find out more. Tubular is brought to you by Superbook. As always, use the codes GlennClark23 or StanCharles23 when you sign up at Superbook, and you will get up to... $250 in a same-day first bet match, win or lose. You could say bet it on the Baltimore Ravens. That number, by the way, has gone all the way up to 9.5. 9 Ravens favored on the road on Sunday. So if you're nervous about a letdown, maybe you want to hedge a little bit emotionally, like, yeah, even if the Ravens disappoint me, I could still win some money. Throw it on the Cardinals, who are getting 9.5 points. But use the code GlennClark23 or StanCharles23 when you sign up at Superbook.com or download the Superbook app. Busy weekend. As Stan mentioned, Game 1 of the World Series tonight on Fox, 8 o'clock. Diamondbacks and Rangers, Zach Gallen and Nathan Eovaldi. Tomorrow night, Game 2, Merrill Kelly, and it's still listed as TBA. It's Jordan Montgomery. I don't know what we're doing there. Uh, tomorrow, college football, Maryland Northwestern, noon and Big Ten Network. Monumental for Delaware Towson at 1 o'clock. Big game there. Morgan's at Norfolk State tomorrow at 2 on ESPN+. Plus, Big game for Stevenson. They're on the road at Delaware Valley at noon. Uh, GoMaxSports.tv. Hopkins is at Muhlenberg trying to stay undefeated. That's tomorrow at noon or at 2 as well. Also tomorrow over at Hughes Stadium at Morgan, the big City Poly matchup. A uh, huge rivalry locally. You can watch it on NFHS Network. But they will have a huge crowd for that. Uh, the big games tomorrow, Fox has Oregon-Utah at 3.30. Georgia-Florida is at 3.30 on CBS. On Sunday, of course, Ravens-Cardinals at 425 on CBS. Before that, Jaguars-Steelers is the local game at 1 o'clock on CBS. And on Fox, it's Eagles-Commanders at 1 o'clock. Sunday night football, a real barn burner. God. 
Bears Chargers at eight twenty on NBC. I think Jimmy wow, G's what back, time right? is it? What yeah, time is that? I can't miss that at eight twenty on Sunday night. Oh, you can't God. miss. That'll be like and seventeen. No, and that's why baseball. And there's no game Sunday. And there's no baseball. Right? They don't want to go against. Yeah. How could you go against Bears? Monster of Tyson Bajant. Yeah. Uh, they don't want to go against the monster the NFL God. is. God. Uh, that's coming up. Uh, everything else you can find at glennclarkradio.com, sports-wise, non-sports-wise. Non-sports-wise, there is a Emily Blunt and Chris Evans movie on Netflix called uh, Pain Hustlers. Do you say so? Yes, where Emily Blunt joins up with Chris Evans, and she, you know she starts getting like pharmaceutical. It's like a pharmaceutical scam or something. Haven't like they done like thing. three different TV shows about the pharmace- pharmaceutical scams? Like, they- yeah, but this one's like uh, this one's more of a uh, I think supposed to be not comedy but like also like you know it's not yeah. it's like fictional comedy about the opioid opioid crisis well, it's gonna be like it's gonna be like more dramatic more dramatized it was hilarious more, well no it's not the op- it's not Every, it's not about oh, everyone was hooked opioid. on pain pills it was all, a lot of people died it's not, <laughs> this one's not like knee slapper an awareness I'm, you know, I'm not i'm just telling you what movies are coming out you said it was like a comedy about the well i guess that might have been a little bit of stretch but Five Nights at Freddy's, the movie. Oh, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be in theaters, movie. but it's yeah. coming to Peacock. They uh, decided earlier at the beginning of the week. That, okay. uh, it's just me. I laughed at Dope Sick uh, yeah. all the way through. Yeah, it. it was hilarious. It was just, when, <laughs> when Michael Keaton was dead and that girl was dying, right. you were like, that's, that is, that's a comedy right there. God. I'm shocked that Saturday out, Night Live hasn't done it. They didn't go that route. Speaking <laughs> of SNL, Nate Park. Nate Bargatze. No, Bargatze is Bargetzi. what we realized. That's okay. how you, Nate Bargatze is how you Food Fighters it. as well. Yeah, Nate Bargatze is very funny, so I look forward to that a great deal. At least his monologue. I don't I don't think I've ever seen him act at all. I have no idea how I handle sketches. Bad Bunny was fine. They, you could tell they were struggling. I, I, I guess I haven't spent a lot of time. You could tell they were struggling with um, how much English he could mm. he could handle in the context of being the host of Saturday Night Live. So they leaned into it a lot. They basically had like Pedro Pascal be his like backup host, <laughs> and like send in on a lot of sketches. They did one sketch entirely in Spanish, which was great. Like that actually with subtitles, it was a very very funny sketch. Um, but they they did everything they could with Bad Bunny as host last week. Would like to be able to get some actors into the mix at some point. It's a very difficult thing to do. Maybe Peyton Manning will come back or something. It would make a lot of sense. He was actually a pretty good host of Saturday Night Live. That United Way sketch is one of the great sketches in SNL history. It should be about, when do they do like the, they don't, oh, they do it around the Super Bowl. They do like a best of uh, football sketches uh, thing on SNL that I always enjoy. Maybe they could do one of a sketch. Best, best of opioid crisis sketches. Well, players have got to do like star uh, Brett Favre. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's nice, hilarious, <laughs> wacky bit. Oh, he was hooked on drugs. <laughs> 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 what an idiot. <laughs> it's a comedy though. That's I, what we can look Listen, I'm just to. telling I'm just telling you the news. The movies are out. This is the movie on Netflix. It's a movie that you can watch this weekend. Did you uh, watch the movie I gave you? Flora and Son? Oh, with the uh, with the Habano's daughter? No, yeah. I remind I got to do that this week. I got to do that I'm this telling week. Telling you you'll be a hero All right. in the uh All in right. the household. All right. All right. With the All wife. Right. That's uh, really that's, a great that's movie. That's the that's Bono's Flora, daughter, e- Flora Eve, and Eve, Son, Eve Huesenski, Houston, Houston. I only this. Just you know, I, I'm really glad that you brought it up though, because at trivia this week, and I would have gotten it because I. Right. They asked the question was name the band that these people are in, and the first name was Paul Houston, and I had just thought of it. Now I would have gotten it from Adam Clayton and Larry Mullen because right. like they use their real names, right. but. 
I at first was like, ah, I know who that is was now. Was that in Jeopardy as well? Uh, didn't we learn that John Coulson has Bono's phone number? Didn't we yeah. learn that at some yeah, point? Yeah, that is true. Really weird world. Very weird oh, world. Let's call that number yeah, right now. Yeah, let's just see. Maybe he'll pick up. You never know. You never know. All right, Stan the Fan, you'll be on with boys tomorrow morning. Yep. On yep. Bad Around. Yep. Uh, Zach and Paul tomorrow, 10 to noon, talking baseball with you. That's what I'll be doing. And then uh, Monday, you will be back with... Uh, 4.30. With Ross Grimsley. Ross Grimsley. Luke's not going to be uh, happening this right. week. And I'm going to try to hook up with Rick Dempsey to talk a little bit about his new... Yep. Venture with Baseball Warehouse. Very cool. Appreciate you. Good to see you as always, All right, sir. Good to see you. Thanks today to Anthony Heron from Big Ten Network. Thanks to Bo Smolka. Thanks to David Murphy, Rangers color analyst. We'll get all that up in the greatest hit section of the... Oh, my God. It's so good. At ten, at Glenn Clark, tab at glennclarkradio.com. Anything on Monday? Uh, eh, stuff and things. Stuff and we'll things. Project Game Day Cardinals Sunday. Ravens game to Sure. We'll talk yeah. about that. Project Game Day, of course, on Sunday. Join us for that. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Live Casino and Hotel, the Maryland Five Star, A.J. Michaels, the Baltimore County Police Department, Royal Farms, Costa Sins, Superbook Sports, Hartford County, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Thanks to Grant, who will be in with me next Friday. Good job, buddy. You, you, you okay? You're going to be all right? We'll be ready. All right. Yep. Very good. Look forward to that. Have a great weekend. Um, go Ravens, go Maryland, go Towson, go Morgan. Duke sucks. Have a